Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into Sports Call here on a Tuesday. I am Brooks Childress, once again filling in for Mr. Ryan Lavoie. I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry on the show with me today. Two of us are usually on Mon- are on the Tuesday show. One of us is not, uh, and it's not the same as it was yesterday as the Monday show. Uh, we got a great show coming up for you today. It is uh, a Tuesday, so we'll talk uh, some NFL as the the wild Super Wild Card Weekend, Super Weird Wild Card Weekend wrapped up last night with two games uh, on uh, for the for the National Football League. Uh, we'll also touch on the uh, Atlanta Falcons coaching search continues. They interviewed a big name yesterday, or announced they interviewed a big name yesterday. Uh, they've interviewed quite a few. Uh, I went back and looked at their their list of people that they have uh, posted on Twitter about uh, having interviewed, and so we'll. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, of course, we'll dive back into Auburn football as you've got some transfer portal news uh, here in the last few minutes uh, as we were coming on the air slash uh, throughout the day. Uh, an Auburn Tiger, uh, former Auburn quarterback, has announced where he will be transferring next year, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll dive into college basketball. Speaking of uh, Auburn basketball, as they get set to travel to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, a very snowy Nashville, Tennessee, to take on Vanderbilt tomorrow night. And so we'll talk all of that. And we will talk some of that with our good friend Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. He'll join us at 3.30 this afternoon in just about uh, 25 minutes from now. We'll also have a 5 at 5 brought to you by our friends at Southeastern Land Group coming up at 5 o'clock. And we'll wrap up the show with a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. As I said, Brooks Childress here filling in for Mr. Ryan Lavoie for the second day in a row uh, as he makes his way back from Tampa following his Buccaneers win last night over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm sure he's in a very good mood driving back from uh, from the warm re- reaches of Florida back to the Arctic tundra that is Auburn, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> we've all been suffering with the cold today, uh, so we now open up. Guys, how are we doing this afternoon? We're doing pretty good, I think. Uh, yesterday I mentioned that the worst of the weekend for me was that we fixed some stuff and found more stuff that needed to be fixed, and today that a lot of that stuff is in the process of being fixed, so... I uh, certainly had a good day today um, and, and glad to get all that stuff out of the way. It is bitterly freezing outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is The high today has been like 36 degrees. It's currently sitting at 32, I think, and it's going to drop down into the mid-teens tonight. So, you know, run your water overnight, folks, and, you know, be aware and get home at a decent hour and all that fun stuff. So... But other than that, other than the the insane chill, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Tom, how are you on this Tuesday? Oh, doing doing all right. And uh, see, I'm one of those guys. I like the cold weather. Yeah. Uh, I always talk about how much I I would prefer the cold weather over the summer heat any day. So uh, I just bring, wanted to sit at a nice, on. pleasant 75. 
Why can't it do that all year? I think I, I've See, said I like before. Pl- my, I like pleasant mid to high sixties. Seven I, starts getting even warm. I think sixty-seven is my ideal temperature. I think I've said that on this show before. Mid sixties is where I like to live. I've I've always said I would rather it be cool than it be warm, mm-hmm. but I would rather it be hot than it be cold. You know, because it when it like cool is comfortable. When it gets to cold, it starts to hurt. Yeah. You know, and like hot is uncomfortable, but it's not painful in the way that cold is. So that's my that's my take on weather. Yeah. But Welcome I, to Weather Call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna and it's gonna keep getting colder as uh, as Brent mentioned. So uh, everybody be careful out there tonight and into the morning time. Uh, sports wise, yeah. Uh, I, I don't really want to say two good games last night. It was, I mean, there was two games that were interesting to watch, but uh, neither were very close. Yeah, uh, I have to say, I, I'm not surprised that Tampa Bay beat the Eagles because the Eagles have just been they've that, collapsed. They they've have been awful. Well, they've yeah, the, the whole second half of the season they have been pure trash. They started out ten and one. Yeah, and have lost. I think six of six seven. Of seven. Yeah, so it just wild. So it's it's not surprising uh, because they were also they were they were playing so bad and uh, had started having some injuries pile up on them. I didn't realize Tampa Bay would beat them that bad though. To I mean, just to own them from from start to finish. I I didn't see that coming. So uh, very surprised there. And congratulations to Ryan Lavoy and his Buccaneers on advancing. And in the other game. That one didn't surprise me. Buffalo in their elements, in front of their crowd, to to just mollywop, you know, along to a win. I, I that didn't really surprise me whatsoever. Uh, the Bills might be one of the hotter teams playing right now. Josh Allen's kind of figuring things out for the Buffalo. So yeah, um, so yeah, some games there. Some uh, transfer portal news. Sounds like Auburn's got two guys that are electing to head to the transfer portal. Uh, some news from a former guy in the transfer portal and where he's going. Uh, Alabama news. It sounds like they've known who their defensive coordinator is going to be. And uh, yeah. guy we talked about on this show yesterday. That's right. So yeah, a lot of lot of stuff going on. Uh, even though uh, Auburn is not playing uh, anything ig- precisely today, mm-hmm. we've still got a lot of stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to, you know, you, you, the ripple effect from Nick Saban uh, retiring continues to waft through college football. As we mentioned yesterday, Arizona looking for a head football coach. They found theirs, but they got it from another school. And then Alabama hired a defensive coordinator away to, from another school that was a head coach. And so now there are two more openings in college football right now for head football uh, head coaches. Not a Power 5 level, but uh, it's gonna con- the ripple effect continues to, to make its way out from the Nick Saban retirement. We'll talk about that coming up here on the show. But we'll start things off with Auburn football. Uh, late yesterday afternoon, we talked about Auburn getting the commitment from the former Texas DB, Jaron Thompson. Uh, Auburn officially announced that signing late yesterday afternoon. So bring in uh, the DB, Jaron Thompson, who had 175 tackles, five interceptions in his, uh, few, I think it was four years at Texas. Uh, so he signs. And then moments ago, as we were coming on the air, uh, multiple outlets reporting uh, Auburn's been getting some defensive guys in from the portal. Now you're losing a couple defensive guys. Uh, Cam Riley and Donovan Kaufman have entered the transfer portal uh, per Matt Zenitz of 247, also per Chris Hummer uh, of 247 Sports. Uh, both of those guys in the transfer portal. Cam Riley going in as a grad transfer, I saw. Uh, Riley had 95 tackles in the last two seasons. Kaufman, 37 tackles and an interception 
this past year. So guys, we'll start there. Auburn football, as they continue to look for a co-defensive coordinator, whatever that situation is, as you continue to try to figure out what you're doing with some of your assistant coaches right now and what you're doing uh, in, in with the staff-wise on uh, for Auburn football. Now you, you're gaining a couple guys in the portal these last couple weeks, but now two guys that, that names have popped up quite a bit uh, on the field for the Tigers, Cam Riley and Donovan Kaufman, are in the portal. Yeah, the loss of Cam Riley, he started the 21 season as a, as a starter, you know, and uh, played pretty well uh, during his time as a starter, but very clearly saw his reps decrease this past season with the additions that Auburn made in the portal. Um, and, and you've got some really dynamite freshman linebackers coming in, so it's not shocking to see him go, but still, you're losing that depth piece. You, you never want to see a guy like that go because Cam Riley's a good player. He's not a world beater at that linebacker spot, but a four-star in that 2020 class, played played pretty good football, was a, a big body on that inside, 6'5", 240, something like that at that linebacker spot. And so you're you're definitely going to miss him, but it, I'm not going to say, oh, the writing was on the wall, but you can see how he came to this conclusion, mm-hmm. even if it's not something that you expected. The Donovan Kaufman departure is a little more troubling because that guy, it, he – we talked about the inexperience that Auburn's going to have in the secondary this upcoming season. You've got some really talented guys, but guys who have not played a whole lot. Um, you've got Keontae Scott coming back. But other than that, Donovan Coppin was really the only guy in the secondary that got significant playing time. And you're losing him. Uh, and he was not the greatest cover guy, and everybody knew that. But in this defense, he had kind of rotated down to playing that hybrid linebacker role to where he was in coverage sometimes, but most of the time was was kind of playing in the box and and covering bigger guys, not faster guys. So if you lose him, you're losing that, I think they call it a star in this defense. Uh, You're losing that star position. And that's that's another one that's tough to replace. Donovan Kaufman, a guy you got him out of Vanderbilt when Derek Mason came over for under Brian Harson, which tells you how long he's been here. And he's been a starter every year. So a guy that's played a lot of football for you, played a lot of good football for you. And uh, to, to lose him, you have to wonder where his replacement is going to come from because he's not a guy that's going to be super easy to replace just because of the position he played. Uh, and just to clarify, Donovan Kaufman is also a grad transfer because uh, I saw on Twitter a couple people asking in the comments uh, of uh, some of the reporting is, wasn't the transfer portal closed? And I'm sure a couple of our, our folks out there listening is, is also has the same thought. Is that, isn't the transfer portal closed? Both these guys, grad transfers, so they can enter at any moment uh, for, for grad transferring. Tom, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I wish him well. Uh, I don't know what – I don't know the reasons behind it. And I, I think that those those guys are the only ones that would know the reasons. So, uh, yeah, you just – you don't you don't like any time you see the attrition, but you also understand it's part of what we are dealing with in today's college football with uh, this whole grad transfer thing that used to never be a thing. Uh, the transfer portal itself used to not be a thing. So, uh but you wish him well, and I, I hope Auburn finds a way to, to plug those holes because, I mean, those are big holes that you're going to have to have to figure out somewhere to – somehow to, uh, to, to fill that, to fill those gaps. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. I, I, but I don't like to see it, but I know it's part of it. Do you think you know you, you look at some of the uh, you look at some of the guys that Auburn's brought in in the transfer portal uh, so far, uh, especially on the defensive side? Do you think some of those guys can help you to fill those holes where a Cam Riley and a Donovan Kaufman were? I definitely think that the guy you got from Texas the other day, he could he's absolutely going to be a, penciled in as a starter, a guy, an older guy 
experience, played at Texas, played high-level football. Uh, he's he's going to be a starter from day one. He's going to be expected to be a starter from day one. Um, you haven't really pulled any linebackers in, uh-huh. in in this class. And I know you had all of those great freshmen that came in, and you expect some of those guys to get early rotation. But we were talking last year about how Auburn was going to need to add to its linebacker room, and not just the freshman class, but you know, you were going to have to stack because I, you know, I, I hate to point out one guy, but there were times where specifically Larry Nixon didn't get it done. And he was not the only one, but he's just the one that comes to mind where I can think of a couple of plays where he was the one that the, the offense picked on. Um, and, you know, he's a good enough player to, to kind of play the same role that Cam Riley played this year. And yeah, he can come off the bench. He can spell your starters. He, he will put a band aid over it while your starters get their breath back. But he is not a guy that you want to start every game. And right now you're losing in that linebacker room rather than adding to it. So that that's a little bit concerning to me. Also in the transfer portal today, uh, two former Auburn quarterbacks uh, made different news. Uh, about an hour ago, uh, former Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley uh, uh entered his name into the transfer portal as a grad transfer away from Texas State uh, through for uh, 3,439 yards and 24 touchdowns this season at uh, Texas State for the Bobcats. He isn't back in the portal. We'll see where he ends up. The other one, though, the, the more important one is one uh, quarterback that just left Auburn. Uh, Robbie Ashford today announced that he is committing to play uh, for Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks, so not going far, staying in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I think a lot of us, uh, when when he first entered the portal, uh, were were on the boat of he, you know, figured he was going to go to a a group of five type school and, yeah. and try to be a starter there. But uh, announcing after taking some trips uh, around uh, the country, announcing that he will be transferring to uh, South Carolina. I, I remember like a week or so ago, he was in Utah taking a visit, but he will be joining Shane Beamer's staff at South Carolina. Uh, you know, you, you look at what they've done with uh, a guy like. Um, uh, uh, Ritter, not Ritter. Um, who's it wasn't the Ritter. This, this um, I know who you're talking about. The guy who was the kid who was a Rattler. Rattler. Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Thank you, uh, Spencer Rattler. You look at the offense with Spencer Rattler and everything, and now you bring in a, a guy like Robbie Asher. What do you What do you guys expect? What do you? Let me Let me phrase it this way: Is this a good fit for Robbie to go to South Carolina? I think that Shane Beamer has kind of built this reputation as being a quarterbacks guy. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe even kind of like a quarterback rehab guy for the job that he had with Spencer Rattler, because Rattler came into th- that season that season at Oklahoma with Heisman hype. People thought that he was going to be a Heisman-winning quarterback, and he and he got benched for in favor of Caleb Williams, who ended up being a Heisman winner. But you look at what he did with Spencer Rattler, kind of giving him his confidence back, making him a true quarterback again. I don't know if Robbie Ashford has what it takes to be a quarterback in the SEC, but I think that Shane Beamer believes enough in himself to where he thinks he can transform Robbie into a really good quarterback. And I, I think Robbie has some good tools. So I don't, I don't know if Robbie will end up being an all-SEC-style quarterback in the same way that uh, uh, Rattler did. But I think he's got a shot for sure. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't think Robbie Ashford's built to be an SEC quarterback. I think he's very athletic. I, I love his athletic ability. Uh, there's just certain things in the passing game that – as a quarterback, you have to have um, different tools that you have to have. Um, and the teaching part of it comes with kind of refining things that these guys just naturally have. I don't think Robbie has that in the passing game. 
Now, if they can figure out a way to operate the offense around what his mm-hmm. tools are, then okay, I can see that. But, you know, if if you're going to run an offense where you're relying on him to throw the ball consistently, uh, I, I think you're trying to beat a dead horse with that. Because, like I said, I just I don't think he just has those those natural things about him. Um, but, hey, you know, good luck to him. I, mm. You know, I – I honestly figured he would have gone somewhere smaller where he yeah. could actually have the a true, true shot to play quarterback. Mm. But I don't, maybe South Carolina sees something in him. I, I don't know. And of course, I say all this, he may end up winning the Heisman Trophy. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, 334 locally, toll-free, one 888 9 is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We take our first break of the show. We come back. We'll talk more. We'll get into some Auburn basketball talk right after this. You're listening to Sports Call, Tiger To call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. You can now we can now find you on Alexa. That's right. You say, "Hey Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn." You can listen to uh, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Make sure you go and set up the app or in your Alexa app, set up the skill. We can, we'll be there everywhere you are. You can listen to Sports Call as we roll on on this Tuesday. We, uh, if you're listening on air. If you're listening after the fact, this really doesn't apply to you. But if you're listening on air, you had the weather report from our good friend Ryan Lavoy just a couple minutes ago. Uh, Tom was talking about in the earlier uh, his, his opener about how cold it is going to be the next few nights to make sure you are uh, being weather aware. Uh, for folks in the area, we uh, got the, uh, the the notification from the National Weather Service to once to get to just to pass along if you haven't seen it. Uh, starting at eight o'clock tonight until tomorrow at ten a.m. It is a hard freeze warning for the area. Uh, temperatures will drop into the middle teens uh, by Wednesday morning. Southeast half of the central Alabama from 8 o'clock tonight until 10 a.m. Wednesday. Uh, that includes prolonged sub-freezing temperatures, which may cause your pipes to burst. Bitterly cold temperatures and wind chills can result in hypothermia or frostbite. Uh, these conditions are life-threatening to those with prolonged exposure or without access to warmth. So make sure you take your, pre- your precautionary measures. Uh, to uh, tend to your plants, your animal, your outdoor animals, any uh, elderly or people who may not be in adequate heat. Make sure you cover pipes and everything, and just uh, just be safe out there, right, Tom? Yes. Uh, yeah. Take take care of everything. You know, all of your pipes and everything. There's a lot of different things you can do. You know, cover your cover the outside spigots inside. Keep a little bit of water running. Basically, you don't want water to sit stagnant in your pipes because that will freeze and expand and break your pipes. Yep. And you don't want that. That's a bad day. That is a very bad day, especially so, yeah, for people you, who may have just had work done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you don't you don't want any kind of water sitting stagnant in a uh, 
or static is is it technically the uh, the way you should say that static Un, unmoving unmoving yes keep the water running keep keep at least a little bit of water running in all of your faucets uh, another thing you can do is open the cabinets up if you have if you have pipes that are inside of a cabinet open the cabinets let the warm air in your house kind of keep going and that way they don't get cold mm. just some different precautions and then for yourself just and if you don't have to be outside in in weathers the the temperatures that are in the teens don't go outside in that uh i i can tell you this the first structure fire i ever fought at southwest fire department it was 15 degrees wow you just don't want to have to be out in that for any and extended period of time there's no reason to yeah. there's absolutely That's, no reason I, to be out i was out. about to say like don't it don't be out unless you have a reason there's no reason there's no right. reason to be no out reason. in, in weather that Unle- cold. Unless you're doing what I was doing and, and putting somebody's well, house okay, out. Yeah. yeah, fair. But Right. But again, that's but a you, reason. normal civilian. Sure. But if you're just like, you know what? Let's go for a walk. No. No. <laughs> don't, don't go for I saw a guy running shirtless when I was driving to Chick-fil-A earlier. No. I was like, buddy. Yeah. I, I, it, thermostat read 32 degrees. Dude was shirtless and in shorts. I was like, buddy. No, and no. and Tom, no. buy a uh, treadmill. The other, the other thing I was going to say also, uh, keep keep uh, keep watch of yourself, your own health. Uh, there's things also inside your house if you have space heaters or anything like that. I, make, I was make sure just about to bring this up. Yeah, make sure you don't have curtains or blankets near your space heaters that are going to catch on fire. Make sure that that's all clear. If you're running a fireplace, make sure that you know you have cleaned out the the chimney and things like that before you actually start burning a fire and those things. And then secondary, your pets. If it's too cold and it hurts for you to be outside, it's going to hurt for your pets to be outside. So please don't leave your little pups tied up to a tree when it's 15 degrees. Yeah. You, you are you, you are a, a two money signs if, <laughs> if you're leaving your dog tied up to a tree. Mm. So they may have it's fur, but it doesn't mean it's not cold. No, they – no. Get your get your pets inside. Don't be don't be that person. So uh, take precautions because I mean this is dangerous cold. Mm-hmm. This is not any sort of exaggeration. It I mean it, when it gets into the teens like this, I mean it it, it could be deadly. And I mean that's yeah. that's no exaggeration. It could be deadly when it gets this cold. So take all your uh, take all precautions with you and your pets and your house. So uh, that's why I wanted to be do this, safe. this mini weather segment before we get to Justin Ferguson here in a couple of minutes because. Tom, especially because you brought that up, I wanted to get your your professional firefighter opinion uh, or uh, input uh, because it it's get it gets cold and we talk about the pipes breaking and everything. But as you point, you you said the first structure fire you ever fought was in fifteen degree weather. Mm-hmm. When it gets cold, people tend to crank that heat up, crank some extra heaters in the house up, and that can be dangerous too. Yeah, uh, it can, especially if if you have not run your heater or done these things. Uh, I mean, we've had some cold weather, but we haven't had cold like this yep. yet. So, um, you know, it, just be cautious. And uh, uh, anytime you also that you're running heaters, uh, hopefully, hopefully in your house, everybody along with smoke detectors has carbon monoxide monitors mm-hmm. because that's another concern. Whenever you start dealing with stuff that deals with the heating and things like that, you end up with you know, the potential of carbon monoxide. And yeah. I mean, that that's something that could be, uh, again, deadly outside could be deadly, but if you got carbon monoxide rolling around in your house, that will, uh, that, that will get you and you won't even realize it. Yeah. So, uh, it, this is just, it's one of those things. It's one of those times just to be cautious. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm like putting a bunch of fear stuff out there, but I mean, these are things that you do have to be yeah. 
and cautious and wary of especially in an area like like here where you don't get this type of cold too often it's usually about once a year you get this type of cold snap right. and you know we're not used to dealing with that type, and type of and people don't know what to yeah. do uh, 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line let's take our next break of the show when we come back justin ferguson from the auburn observer will join us and we'll talk auburn basketball we'll get back to sports don't worry auburn basketball auburn football uh with justin ferguson right after this Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Sports call on a Tuesday rolls on. I am Brooks Childress, sitting in the host chair for Ryan Lavoy today. Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry join me on this afternoon's show. Uh, Brant's not usually on the Tuesday show. Tom, me and you usually are on Tuesday, yeah. guys. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan will be back tomorrow for a fresh new edition of Sports Call. Uh, Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you just want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to that on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We're about to interview Mr. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer on our show. And if you are have to get out of the car, make sure you go back and listen to it later. Or you can just listen to it again after we, uh, after we wrap things up with Justin here on the program. So let's go right now to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer joining us today. Justin, how are we doing this afternoon? I'm cold. How are y'all? <laughs> I was about to say, do you like snow? No, not at all. Not at all. I am. I do not handle cold weather very well. Um, I was born in July. I feel like the summer, even when it's like brutally hot, like I, I, I would much rather enjoy that than, than the cold weather. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty rough. I was planning on going to Auburn basketball game tomorrow night in, in, in Nashville, but the roads are so bad around there because of the snow and the ice and just how, how cold it's going to get here there overnight that, you know, I'm not even going to be able to make the trip up there. But I'm not – you know, as much as I like covering games in person, I'm not going to hate the fact that I don't have to brave the elements uh, for this one. So I, I just needed to get get back warm again. You know, super low temperatures. This is not why I live in Alabama. I told uh, I, I said on the show yesterday that I am from uh, South Alabama, close to Gulf Shores area, and right. so if I see uh, one snowflake, I hold up in my house for three days. Yeah. No, I mean absolutely. I, I was. Um, I, I I interned in Charlotte uh, when I was in college, and uh, when I was up there, there was a week where it snowed pretty badly in Charlotte for the week, and uh, my two roommates and fellow interns, one of them was from Pittsburgh, the other one was from Cleveland, they were, like, living life like normal, and I was like, I'm not leaving my room. I don't know what y'all are doing. Like, I, I you know, I'm not, I am not built for this at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kinda, I've gotten a little bit better about handling the snow. And, and and driving in it, but like I'm still I'm still not someone who wants to even 
you know, hang out at it. That's right. Uh, so you're not going to the game tomorrow night. We'll get to that game tomorrow night in uh, at Vanderbilt in just a moment. We we'll want to go back and look at this past week for Auburn basketball. A win over Texas A&M. A a what was described as the closest double-digit win uh, that I think yeah. that's ever happened between Auburn and Texas A&M, and then a almost collapse against uh, LSU uh, with the uh, twenty-four to two or twenty-one to two run that LSU went on in the second half, but Auburn was able to pull things out. What were your thoughts on on the play of Auburn basketball last week? I thought it was a great week for Auburn basketball, and here's why: even with those negatives that we talked about, you know, didn't shoot the ball well against A&M, had that had that second half slump against LSU. Last week in college basketball, six of the top eight teams in the country lost to unranked teams. There were several other ranked teams that lost. That was a week where everybody was on upset alert, and Auburn beat two more opponents, pretty good opponents, too. I think you know LSU had gotten off to a pretty good start um, in, in SEC play. A&M obviously just beat Kentucky uh, in overtime, so, I mean, they've, they've got real talent and, you know, preseason number two in the league. Um, to beat both of those teams by double digits, I mean, I think that says a lot about this Auburn basketball team. You know, it's not perfect, but, I mean, you're not going to find anybody who's perfect this time of year at all. Um, and, and so this Auburn team is very confident in the way they play, offensively and defensively. They've got depth. They've got balance. And they're hard for, they're a hard team to play against. Um, it, it is hard to come up with a team that is like a real nightmare matchup for Auburn. And, and likewise, I think Auburn can adapt. They can win games ugly with defense grinded out. They can win games lighten it up on offense as well. Um, it, it was just a really impressive week because it's college basketball season. There's not one true super dominant team in the in the country this year. There's not one true super dominant team in, in the SEC either this year. Um, so just winning and hanging around has a lot of value, and Auburn did that on uh, you know this past week. For the guy that really jumps off the screen when you're watching Auburn basketball right now is the play of Jalen Williams. Talk a little bit about him and how his confidence seems to be growing. Yeah, Jalen Williams is, is, is playing some of the most efficient basketball you're going to find with anybody. Even in this past game against LSU, he only takes two shots, and he hits both of them, and there were you know big shots in that game. You know, he's a guy that you know just does some of everything really, really well. He's up across the board. Um, he's a great shooter. He's barely missed any shots here in this run, especially from two. Um, you know, he's, he's gotten better as a rebounder this season. His defense has been great, and he's such a good passer and playmaker as a big guard, uh, that he's very, I mean, he's, he's central to what Auburn wants to do on offense. You know, you have this four out offense, sometimes five out offense. If your power forward's not as confident with the ball in his hands as Jalen Williams is, you just don't have, you know, the same amount of, of pop. So, yeah, I mean, even in the games where Jalen's not going nuts as a scorer, he's still, you know, one of the best players on the floor on both ends. And, and he's just playing with a ton of confidence right now and aggressiveness. Um, you know, he, want a fifth-year player to be playing at this time of year. He's, he's, he's seen it all. He's done it all. And I think that's just been such a weapon because he's just really, really hard for teams to, to scheme against. A uh, question I was going to ask you for to comment on is uh, the, the bench play. And, I mean, it's something that has been talked about a lot. But just how, how good is that group that uh, comes in and just how interchangeable is this lineup that makes this team so good? This is the best bench in college basketball, and it's not particularly close. Um, in D1 games this season, they lead the country in bench scoring. Here's the stat that just blows my mind. I wrote about yesterday at the Observer. Here's the stat that blows my mind every time I uh, look at it. If you look at the five-man lineup of Trey Donaldson, KD Johnson, Chad Baker-Mazzara, 
Chaney Johnson and Dylan Carwell, the five backups, when they play together, um, they have the best efficiency of any five-man lineup in college basketball this season. That means when they're on the floor, they are better on offense and defense than any other five-man unit. And, and it's because they play when other teams' starters are starting to wear down a little bit, get tired. They play when other teams' benches start rotating into the game, and they're not as deep as Auburn. They're not as talented as Auburn. This is an Auburn team that looks at their lineup and says, hey, their roster say, hey, we've got ten guys. We can play any of them in any particular combination, any particular order, and feel like we're going to be fine. You've seen that here recently where guys like Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, and Chad Baker-Bazaar have been in closing lineups for Auburn. You've seen them mix and match some of these reserves of these starters and, and just and just play play the matchups. They play the matchups. This Auburn basketball team does not have a superstar level of talent where you're like, there's no Jabari Smith, there's no Walker Kessler, there's no first-round draft pick. They just got a lot of really good college basketball players, and they bought into playing Bruce Pearl basketball. And the culture that Bruce has built on this team stands out because it's hard to convince kids, hey, you're not going to play 30 minutes a night. You, you might not even play 25 minutes a night on this team. You're not going to get every shot you want. You're not going to get you know all the all the play and time that you want. But if you but if you stick to it and and you know really play in the system and buy into it. We're going to keep each other fresh, and we're going to keep each other balanced, and, and it could be a really fun team. So it's very unique. Uh, I would say it's probably Auburn's the most unique team in major college basketball. Nobody plays more bench minutes than Auburn. Nobody gets more out of their bench than Auburn. And for a lot of major college basketball teams, contenders, you only want to play six, seven, eight guys deep. Auburn plays 10 or 11 deep, and they're better because of it, and it just makes them such a, such a special team. Justin, I want to follow up on that uh, that question too. Is you look at how well the bench played, how how much Bruce Pearl uses this bench in the rotation. I want to go the other way. When you as you look down the stretch through this, we get into the media conference play. Do you think there's anybody on that bench rotation that could see their minutes go down a little bit, or do you think everything's going to stay the same? You know, I think right now you're more likely to see some bench guys get a little bit more playing time. Okay. I think I think Chad Baker Mazar is probably your best example. He's been out playing in terms of minutes, Chris Moore here the last few weeks, and for good reason. Um, so you know, I look at I look at the bench also, and I see you know Dylan Carwell. Like when when Jalen Williams is playing really well, you may not see Chaney Johnson as much, but I mean Chaney's coming off of one of his better games this year. I just think. It's not an even 20-20 split at all five positions, but it, it's not too far off. I think, you know, I think Auburn's best-case scenario is they may have a guy play 25 minutes or 26 minutes. That's about it. Um, you may get some other guys in there. You know, Chad Baker-Mazar might play a little bit more. Chris Moore might play a little less. You know, you, you still got Leo Berman in that rotation. But uh, this is about as even and balanced as you're going to find anybody playing. And, and I think that's just – yeah, I think that's part of the, 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 the appeal of this team is that uh, they're, they're going to lean on everybody. All right, Justin, let's uh, let's look ahead to this week for Auburn basketball. you got a road trip to Vanderbilt. Never been an easy place for really anybody to play, but especially this Auburn basketball team has had struggles uh, in Nashville uh, recently. And then you get a uh, top 25 matchup inside Neville Arena on Saturday. I believe this is going to be against Ole Miss. This is going to be the first top 25 team Auburn's faced since that Baylor team to open up the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on how the, uh, about Auburn this week? Yeah, I mean, the Vandy game is always interesting because it's Vandy. Memorial Gym's weird, and, and, you know, it's a place where Auburn struggled over the years. This Vanderbilt team, they have a terrible record, but, like, they're not a horrible basketball team. You look at the teams they've lost to, most of them have been really quality opponents. 
they gave Alabama a heck of a game, uh, la- you know, last week. Um, you also look at a two-point loss against a very good Memphis team. Th- th- this Vandy team is-, is built to hang around. And, I, you know, for Auburn, I think it's just any means necessary. Get in and get out with a win. I mean, you can – you could get style points in this one for sure. Vandy's struggled on defense this year. Um, you know, they, they, they're not as talented as they've been in years past, but they're built to hang around. They, they play a slow, methodical play, pace on offense. They limit possessions. Um, you know, Jerry Stackhouse is one of the best X's and O's guys you're going to find anywhere in college basketball. He's going to have a team built to just hang around, and, they, and they're not going to be afraid. They're not going to be worried about going down. They feel like they can hang around with this, this Auburn team. So for Auburn, I think, you know, you come into this game tomorrow, if they take care of the ball and, and they shoot well, um, they should be able to win against this Vanderbilt team. But I, I would expect this game to be a lot closer than people may think with the way Vandy's record is. It's just this Vanderbilt team just doesn't get blown out very often. I know they've lost a lot, but they're, just, they're not a bad team. They're a very well-coached team, and they're teams that can just hang around and, and give problems, especially away from home. Then you got Ole Miss on Saturday. I really don't know what to make of this Ole Miss team because they're kind of the opposite of Vanderbilt in the fact that they haven't played a lot of really good competition. Um, they've beaten a couple of teams that are really good, Memphis being one of them. Uh, really impressive win for them against Florida here recently. Did get blown out to Tennessee, but this is a team that, like, you know, has got a lot of confidence because they've been playing good basketball here recently, and you can only play who's on your schedule. Obviously, Alan Flanagan coming back to town, West Flanagan coming back to town. That's going to get a lot of attention. Al's off to a really good start this year. Ole Miss has got one of the best shot blockers in the country, Jamarian Sharp. Um, they've got Matthew Morrell. I mean, they've got they've got a, a number of pieces that have, have been experienced. Really good coaching, Chris Beard. Auburn's really good at home. I, I look at this Ole Miss team a lot like I look at the, the Texas A&M and LSU teams that Auburn has played at home here recently, where it's just I think it's going to be a hard fought game. I don't expect Auburn to to run away with either of these either of these matchups, but. They're going to be good. They're going to be good tests for sure. And um, you know, I think Auburn's going to be, especially early in the year. I think they're going to be pretty, pretty happy with the fact that they get Ole Miss first at home instead of having to go to go to Oxford, especially with the way you know Ole Miss is playing recently with a lot of confidence. Ferg, not usually the kind of subject that we talk with you about, but you were in the building on Sunday for Auburn women's basketball <laughs> taking down LSU. For anybody who doesn't know, how big a win is that for Auburn women's basketball and Johnny Harris? Oh, man, it's massive. Uh, I thought this Auburn women's team, I think they've been playing really good basketball. They just had some bad luck and, and you know, haven't been able to finish some of these games in SEC play. And to, to play a team like LSU, the defending national champion, probably the most, probably the second or third most talented roster in college basketball. I mean, South Carolina is just playing a different sport than everybody else, but LSU's right up there uh, with Angel Reese and, and some of it, It's just really impressive. This Auburn team is built on defense. They, they created turnovers. They made it tough for LSU to get to their spots. They weren't intimidated. Um, you know, Auburn got off to a really good start, and then LSU took the lead in the second quarter, and you felt like, oh, all right, here it comes. Here comes LSU's big run. Auburn played back and forth the rest of the way, forced turnovers, hit some clutch shots, hit some, hit some big free throws, played to a great crowd. It, it's a win that you definitely, definitely want to take for Auburn. Uh, I think this Auburn basket, women's basketball team is, is talented, I think Johnny Harris has the athletes that she needs to run the type of defense that she wants to run. I think this crew's getting better at hitting shots from the outside, playing a little bit more aggressively with their jumpers. Um, you know, it's a grind in the SEC. There's a lot of really good basketball teams. This team's going to have to play South Carolina later in the year. They're going to have to play some other really good teams. But this kind of win can give you a lot of uh, a, a, a pretty big boost because if you can beat LSU if you're Auburn, 
you feel like you can hang with anybody on your schedule. And I think that's a great sign for this team. And I also think winning with that crowd on on Sunday, great atmosphere, is a great sign. I mean, you know, I know there are a lot of people there because it was LSU, but, I mean, this Auburn women's team is a fun team to watch. They play a fun brand of basketball. And if you live here, um, come out to their games on Thursdays and Sundays. They, they, they play a fun brand of basketball, and they need your support. And I think – I think you saw on Sunday what a good crowd can do for this team, uh, and so I think that I, I, I think Auburn fans should be pretty happy with with uh, what Johnny Harris is building here. And Justin, because there's no off season or dead period with college football, uh, you, you look at this Auburn football team still trying to piece together a, a, a staff this year. Well, what are you hearing about any potential moves that this uh, Hugh Freeze can make? Yeah, it's interesting because the defensive coordinator search kind of keep, go, goes on and on, and people are kind of wondering, okay, what, who's going to be the move? What's next? What's next? Name I've heard a decent admit is Chris Kiffin, and the thing about Chris Kiffin is, well, he's coaching uh, the Houston Texans, who are still in the playoffs right now. So, um, you know, that's a name that could be a reason for, for kind of the hang-up there. You've heard a little bit, um, you know, about, about some other guys on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Hampton was one that, that, that have been mentioned. He's a co-defense coordinator at Oregon, former defense coordinator at Tulane. A lot of people really, really like him, you, you know, for the future. There's been some other guys, um, you know, that that uh, that have been mentioned for the job. And then on the offensive coordinator side, I think that one's a little less pressing to me because Freeze is going to be the guy who's going to call plays, it looks like, next season. You need a quarterback's coach. You need a running back's coach. Uh, but, you know, Auburn's gotten through this first little stretch of recruiting here without a completely intact staff, and they've still been able to get guys in the portal, get guys on campus who are juniors and stuff like that. So I think it's less important that Auburn goes and finalizes his staff as it is just to make sure to go get the right guys. And so I think some patience, you know, at this point, you're not you're not in a rush. Um, you're not trying to hit a deadline for recruiting or anything like that. So, you know, they've got some guys out there that, that make some sense, but I could see why Auburn's taking the time, especially – if they're looking to the NFL and, 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 you know, there's there's still some pieces that need to be sorted out at the next level right now because they're still in their season and, and you know, it's, the carousel's just started going for them as well. Uh, and so that's what the coaching staff and now as far as the players that are going to be playing for who, whatever coaching staff comes in here, uh, you're obviously you're losing a couple of guys today to uh, grad transfer. <clears throat> uh, are there some guys out there that is currently in the transfer portal to kind of keep an eye on? Uh, and then potentially even on the high school rounds as, as far as commits go and things like that. You know, what do we look like? It seems like it's been quiet over the last week or so as far as getting sure. guys in here. So what? where's the uh, status there? Yeah, it's interesting. Donovan Kaufman and, and Cam Riley going to the portal today. I thought Auburn kind of got their Donovan Kaufman replacement, you know, this weekend with Jaron Thompson, the, the transfer from Texas. You know, he's been their latest pickup. You know, Jaron Thompson started most of the games this year for Texas. He's been starting for you know, several years uh, for the Longhorns. Safety's played a lot of football. He's pretty productive. He was there. He's probably the most disruptive pass uh, you know, pass defender on that uh, that uh, Longhorn team that went to the playoff this year. So that's a guy that I think you can come in and start right away. So that helps out. You know, losing a guy like Donovan Coffin, losing some of those safeties that helps. And then you know Cam Riley, you know, moving on. Auburn did get Dorian Mousey from Duke. They are bringing back Eugene Asante and Austin Keys. That inside linebacker room, you know, adding, you know, guys like Demarcus Riddick and DJ Barber, it was going to kind of be tough for Cam Riley probably to find some, find some, you know, solid playing time unless he moved to edge rusher and Auburn's got some guys they've looked at there. So, you know, Riley and Kaufman are both guys that you'd love to have back if you were Auburn, but you can see why they're going to the portal. You see how some of these transfers they've brought in 
you know, could already kind of help replace them. And, yeah, I think right now for Auburn is, you know, the interesting thing is just what do they do, you know, with the portal. Alabama guys can go into the portal. Washington guys can go into the portal. I guess Arizona guys are going to go into the portal now. San Jose State guys. It's that chain reaction because of these coaching changes. So there's still some dudes out there, and Auburn might be interested. You know, I'm also keeping an eye on quarterback. You know, Will Rogers is a guy that everybody's kind of mentioned now that he's back in the portal with Washington opening up. Um, you know, Auburn's been interested in quarterbacks, so why not a guy who's been an experienced quarterback in the SEC? We'll see if Auburn, you know, goes in that direction, if they feel like that's, that's a move. That'd be what I'd keep an eye on. But honestly, right now, I think the big push for recruiting, uh, and it should be, is uh, all eyes are going to be on Ryan Williams here these next couple of weeks. He just made that visit to Texas A&M. He decommitted from Alabama, which I thought was a really big sign. You know, instead of just waiting to flip or, you know, even staying put with Alabama, the fact that he decommitted after Saban's retirement, I thought, spoke volumes. Auburn's going to get the last visit. They're going to try to bring him in. I think that's where a lot of Auburn fans need to keep their attention on because he is definitely going to be worth it uh, if they can land him. Justin Ferguson joining us today from the Auburn Observer. Justin, we'll wrap things up with one more question about the cold. Uh, you, you mentioned you're, you're not a cold-weather fan. Well, i, I got to ask you a tough question then. This past weekend, we had two NFL games that involved different types of cold. You had mm-hmm. the minus 13-degree wind chill, but no snow up in uh, Kansas City. Then you had the 17-degree Buffalo game yesterday, but you had to wade through uh, hip-level snow to get to your seats. Which one would you be more willing to sit in through? You know, it's crazy. I think it's the Kansas City one. You know, because I think the thing about this, uh, the thing about the cold and being wet in the cold, that is what I mean. It makes it even worse to me. I know the wind chill was bitter in Kansas City, uh, and I know, I know those people looked absolutely miserable. But the fact that you had to like go through all like a feet of snow to get to that Buffalo game, yeah, that that ain't for me. At least I can stay dry. I can layer up as much as possible and try to make the most of it. But if I'm having to wade through snow and getting wet, and, and it just it would just make me feel even colder. So I'd go with Kansas City, but I think both of them were terrible. I think I think the the people who had it figured out were the ones who went to the to the game in Tampa Bay yesterday. That's that's the only playoff game I saw that were you know, outside of the indoor ones where I'm like, okay, yeah, you want to do that? Go to the Tampa Bay ones or go go inside at Ford Field or at, at Cowboys Stadium. The rest of them. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not looking forward to any of that. That's right. We we like some mid seventies football weather yeah. right here. Well, Justin, Absolutely. thank you so much for joining us on the show today. What's coming up with two basketball games and still football <laughs> news over at the Observer this week? Yeah, you can go to auburnobserver.com, check it out. I had a story yesterday on Auburn's bench that you can read. I had a story today. Auburn's a top fifty free throw shooting team in the country right now, and I asked Bruce Pearl and some players about why they've been so much better in there. So you can check that out. Tomorrow i got a story on Auburn's transfer class so far. Just kind of get to know some of these guys that are coming in for the Tigers. You can look at the roster tracker is still ongoing. You'll have coverage of the, the Vandy game, the Ole Miss game this weekend, mailbag, podcast, ton of stuff coming out of the Observer. Go to AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. It's $6 a month or $60 a year to get a full subscription. And once you pay, everything we do gets sent straight to your email inbox without paywalls so you can read and listen on your own time. It's great stuff. I highly encourage everybody to go subscribe to it. Justin, as always, thank you so much for your time, and we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. It was Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer joining us on Sports Call. And that, my friends, is just about going to wrap us up for our number one. When we come back after this quick, long, whatever you want to call it, break, we will have uh, a <laughs> quick, long break. Quick, what? long break. It's a quick, long break. We'll have more. 
sports call for two hours. I'm going to have words with you once these microphones are off. All right. That that sounds great. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick long break. Tom and I will. All right. <laughs> Very slowly and fastly. Very slowly and fastly we will get through this. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, we went off the rails really quickly. Sports call you ret- returns after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starts right now. I am Brooks Shoulders, Tom PV, Brent Daughtry joining me this afternoon. I am filling in for Mr. Ryan LaVoy on a Tuesday edition of Sports Call. He's making his way back from Tampa, Florida, where he watched his Buccaneers get a win over the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Uh, And so we uh, congratulate his team, the Buccaneers, on the win. And uh, we look forward to having him back in studio uh, for a brand new edition of Sports Call tomorrow. Uh, We had a great first hour. You missed any of it. Make sure you go back and let's do it on Sports Call podcast. But to start the second hour of the show, we're going to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. The Orthopedic Clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971. And it's your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. The Orthopedic Clinic, proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. And we start things off on the Sports Call Orthopedic Clinic phone line today with... Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joining us on the show today. Steve, how are we doing this afternoon? Well, I'm over here in a balmy 33-degree weather Ooh. in... Uh, Fairhope, Alabama, yes, sir. Uh, but not in my house, so thankfully. That is uh, uh, I heard you guys warmer there than it is here. Yeah, is it? Okay. Uh, so in the morning here, it's going to be 20 degrees, not as cold as you guys are going to have it, barely. Nope. So uh, let's get to it, gentlemen. What All do you right. want first, NFL or do you want college basketball? Let's start with college basketball. All right, let's go there. Hey, I enjoyed uh, the perspectives and insights that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Ferguson. Ferguson, right? Just Ferguson uh, had, and to follow up with that, are you familiar with a? Uh, I guess he's a kind of like a Ken Palm kind of guy, Bart Torvik. Do you know who he is? Uh, I've heard the name. I, I can't say I've uh, looked at anything like that. 
Okay, apparently he does a lot of uh, analytics uh, in bas- college basketball. So according to his stats, guys, All right. there are only four teams in college basketball that have both a top 20 and top 20 uh, defense and offense for the first two months of basketball season. Mm-hmm. Who are those four teams? One of them is, yes, Auburn. Who are right. the three guys? Uh, let's see. Is UConn one of them? No. Okay. What about Houston? No. Mm, I don't know then. That that's getting tough. Maybe uh Kansas. No. Ah. Tom, do you have a do you have a guess for in, uh there's four teams out there that are top you said fifty in offense and defense? Top twenty. Top twenty in offense and defense. One of them is Auburn. Yeah, I was gonna say one of them is Auburn. It's uh, not UConn, Houston, or Kansas. Kentucky. No. No. Uh Tennessee is Tennessee in there? Nope. Oh, man, Florida Atlantic? Nope. Oh, Jeez. I don't know. Tell us, Steve. Brent? Uh, he stepped out for a second. Okay. They are. I'll do it alphabetically. All right. Arizona. All right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. North Carolina. That also makes sense. Should have guessed those. And finally, Purdue. Oh, you see, yeah, all, Purdue. All three yeah. of those make sense. We're just shooting around. So, I'd say that's quite... A uh, to me uh, astounding, uh, I guess, category for Auburn to be in, right, guys? Yeah, yeah that, that's good company to be a part of. Now, I'd like to know who, what teams are are both uh, in top ten in offense and defense. You guys have any information on that? Do not. You uh, just gave top twenty. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they each will be top ten. Okay, uh, about tomorrow night's game, guys. All right. Uh, I, I heard about the treacherous uh, traveling by land, uh, according to Ms. Justin Ferguson, to Nashville. But that shouldn't impede the, the team flying there, right? I, I guess it just depends on how the airports are doing up there. Yeah. So when do you think we'll hear or know anything about the game tomorrow night being on schedule or not? Uh, I would think it would be today. Right. Um, if they're up there anything. by now, right? I don't know what time uh, it, they left. I, I was yeah, trying to see sure. if I could pull up. Uh, I've got a little handy-dandy uh, flight tracker that I go to sometimes, so I was going to see if I could find uh, if they've uh, announced their, if they've scheduled their flight yet or not. Uh, they are, there's a flight to leaving from Auburn Air- Airport uh, at 4.20, and so in about 10 minutes is their scheduled departure, it looks like. Okay. I appreciate the information. I guess we'll know later on if they... The chance or not? Yep. I'm sticking with uh, Auburn basketball guys. Uh, I thought this was really uh, good. They're doing this, but uh, a certain person's uh, jersey is going to be retired uh, in women's basketball. You know who it is, right? That's right. Dewana Bonner's Dewana getting Bonner, her jersey yeah. uh, retired on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be uh, I guess a ceremony uh, during the game, right? Yeah, I, I think they usually do those uh, pregame. They do a pregame ceremony. Oh, do a pregame. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's. Very well earned and deserving of it. Uh, is she, a, in, I guess, a very few, or do we? How many do we have? This uh, uh, women's basketball jersey has been retired. Ooh, um, there's uh, she would be up there. Uh, you've got uh, Ruthie Bolton that's up there. Um, I, I think it's like four or five women's players that have uh, have their jerseys retired. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go to college uh, football then. About the offensive defense coordinators' uh, questions. Well, according to Christian Clemente today, uh, he was asked about that, and his response was this. He says 
apparently there's been a holdup. He said partially due to the departure of Cadillac. Um, and he says apparently Nick's is right now the odds-on favorite still. He said it's due to some contract issues that slowed things down. You guys heard anything or confirmed that? Uh, I I guess that would be that's the same stuff that, I, that we've been hearing here is that it, it feels like he's could be the guy, but uh, things are starting things have been snag right now. Okay, the reason I'm asking because uh, Lane Kiffin put out some tweet uh, acting like they ain't no way he's he's coming to us. Yeah, did y'all happen to see that? Yeah, yeah. Lane Kiffin was putting out a bunch of BS, is what it looked like, but who knows. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on real quickly about the game last night uh, that uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy is still traveling from. Uh, I didn't see the game. I saw some video clips this morning, and I, I, I cannot for the life of me explain how did the Philadelphia Eagles team start out so well and then completely just, uh, I mean, uh, explodes or, or, or implode. Implode. Yeah. Uh, they, have, they have had some injuries, um, but, I mean, that's not the full reason. Um I don't know that they have those answers, Steve, to tell you the truth, uh, but it has been a remarkable come apart uh, by the Eagles over the last uh, half of the season. Yeah. And like I said, there have been some injuries that have been mixed into that. And then, of course, uh, Jalen Hurts got injured uh, in their last uh, regular season game and was dealing with that dislocated finger in the playoff game. But they were they were kind of stinking it up even before then. So, uh, yeah. I, I I honestly think the Philadelphia Eagles themselves are looking for answers on exactly what happened with that because that that was a pretty remarkable come apart. Well, what I was referring to is I saw some video highlights. And I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "I thought I was watching Auburn uh, tackling here. Uh, they couldn't uh, tackle people who went for three touchdowns. Uh, uh, remarkably, they should have been touchdowns. You have or through yeah. I mean, they were good passes, but they never should have gone for touchdowns. Some guys was uh, evading people left and right." Go in for a touchdown for uh, Tampa Bay, and you know what I'm referring to, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Watch, watch the game last night. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it, the like Tom said, it was an implosion on the the greatest of magnitudes uh, for the Eagles in the in the second half of the season, and then it all kind of culminated with that game last night where things just weren't going right for either side. Yeah, and speeding up things, <laughs> going. Uh, how about this, guys? You know, Trey Palmer. Yeah. For the for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, yeah. Well, I didn't know this, but apparently some better did. Apparently, whenever he says Trey Palmer is pissed off before the game, he scores touchdowns. Well, according to some tweets from Trey Palmer, and they seem legitimate. This comes from uh, Bleach Report. Uh, it says uh, the guy says, "Wish I knew Trey Palmer was pissed off before last night's game because he scored again." Uh, did you know anything about this guy? That Trey and I'm looking at his, his tweets. It says. For some reason, says I woke up pissed off today more than ever. No, I didn't know anything about Trey Palmer and this pattern of him being pissed off and then scoring a touchdown uh, in the game. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. That's a that's a really uh, interesting. You may want to take that to Vegas. Yeah, uh, I'd love to uh, be someone that knows him. Hey, man, are you are you pissed off this morning? Yeah, ask him if he's if he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or not. Okay, all right. Uh, moving on, guys. Uh, about the NFL matchups. Who do you like? Man, you know, it, it's it's an interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think that uh, the Detroit and Tampa game is going to be very interesting because I think Tampa Bay, 
Uh, you know, they they're they they're a fine team. They're a good team right now. Uh, Detroit just you, they, but you got to go play up there at Ford Field. That's going to be an interesting game. Um, I, I think the the off week is going to help the the 49ers and the Ravens with their matchups. And the biggest one I, th- I think is going to be how Kansas City responds because I don't know if if you saw this, Steve, but it has been 15 starts for Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs without having to go on the road. He's never had to play a road playoff game. Uh, and this is going to be his first one this weekend at Buffalo. Yeah, it's going to be on at five thirty on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think the weather's going to affect the Chiefs or the Bills at all? Uh, no, they they both play in frigid conditions. So I mean, I think that that kind of equalizes itself out as far as that goes. Uh, but the one thing that I will say, I give I will give the edge to Buffalo in this game, not because of the weather or anything like that, but because of the way that the teams are playing currently. Buffalo is playing a very, very good brand of football, and and you and they're going to be at home. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they've they've been okay, but they you know they have they have looked a lot they have looked less than dominant. That's for darn sure. And when you consider that, you got one team playing super hot. You got one team that's like you know they hadn't quite fallen apart like the Eagles did, but they just don't. It is a, something just doesn't look right about them, um, and they have to go into that environment in Buffalo. I have to give Buffalo the uh, edge there. Uh, as far as the other games, uh, you know, I like the Lions. They're kind of the feel-good Cinderella story this year, so that's cool. On the NFC side of things, though, I, I mean, the 49ers, it's good. they're going to be hard to beat. I, 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 They just really are. And uh, good luck to whoever has to play them. That's, that's kind of how that feels. Okay, well – uh, I guess you know that the Chiefs and the Bills played each other already in, in the, uh, the season, yep. and the Chiefs came back uh, in overtime to win uh, at their place. Yep. I did not know this. This is, uh, according to Bleach Report, this is the seventh time that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have faced each other, and they're currently tied at three apiece. Did you know that? Yeah, this is like the new Brady Manning kind of deal right. where, where they, they just continue to face off with each other. It's kind of become a little quarterback rivalry there. Yeah. But but the thing is, Steve, I, and I, I would caution on what happened early in the season because right now uh, they're really playing at different levels. The Chief, Here's the crazy thing with the Chiefs, and and I know it has absolutely nothing to do with, with this, but it also feels like it did because it lined up. The Chiefs were dominant. They were just destroying everybody. And then all of a sudden, the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing happened, and they have not played worth a poo since that went on. Women will do it to you every time. I mean, I, I'm telling you, man. They have just not looked the same. And now whether that has caused some sort of a riff within the team, I don't think it has, but it does line up. It's very funny how that lines up that once all that – stuff started going on and and everything they really just didn't play well on the other hand the buffalo bills started out the season and everybody was wondering what in the world is going on with buffalo why is josh allen not playing well are they even going to make the playoffs i mean there's all these questions about the bills and now all of a sudden they are playing a hot hot brand of football right now so i i think the chiefs are in trouble i i I think the chiefs are in big big trouble going to buffalo well how about this Odd coincidence on the Buccaneers and Lions game. Um, I didn't know this. I was reading it right now. Uh, the game is going to feature two number one overall picks. Yes, 
Jared Goff was the number one overall pick in 2016 draft, yep. and Baker Mayfield number one, number one pick in 2018 draft. Yep. How about that one? How about that? And they, neither of them were playing for the team that drafted them either. That's true. How about that one? Didn't know that. Forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, can't wait for the puppy bowl. There's going to be 131 puppies. They're going to be in that bowl. Wow, that's a, that's so, a lot you know, of for the Super Bowl. A lot of puppies. These are all these are all rescue uh, dogs, by the way. Yeah, uh, I saw some pictures of. Them. Okay, uh, moving real, real, real quickly, guys. Um, well, last night's game, real quickly, I couldn't believe that Philadelphia could not make a two point conversion. They were trying to you know push each other into the end zone, yeah. and they got stopped. I tell you what, this year I, I saw this stat: only one team has been able to stop the tush push, and it was the Buccaneers. They did it once. And now there's only one team that's done it twice, and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, that's hard to do. Yeah. All right. In the world of NBA, guys, uh, this was a category I said, oh, my gosh, you really can't make this up. This is from USA Today. The Indianapolis airport actually has installed, hold on, a full, I'm looking at the picture right now, a full-length basketball court in the terminal in honor of the NBA All-Star game. Did you know that? I saw this yesterday, and I immediately started looking to see if I could find a connecting flight through Indianapolis for just anywhere I needed to go. Well, it's right in the middle of a terminal, and uh, it's amazing. They have everything just like a regular uh, NBA basketball court, okay? It has glass backboards, shot clocks. Uh, Can you believe this? I mean, it, listen, you, you pull out the stops for All-Star Week to kind of get the hype going up around it, and then uh, what better way to kill a few hours while you got a layover in Indianapolis? wonder what that costs, right? Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, back to our football team and transfer portals. I hate to see about those transfers. Um, now, Britt, I know you, you said that um, you were more concerned about Kaufman. I was more concerned about Cam uh, leaving. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, both of them are, are key contributors, uh, but both of them are also, as we said, grad transfers. So there was a chance that they were going to leave anyway. Um, with the, you know, Ferguson brought up with the uh, uh, Darren Thompson, who just, uh, or Jaron Thompson that Auburn just got from, um, just got from uh, Texas. That kind of helps with that Donovan Kaufman deal. But yeah, the, the Cam Riley is a, uh, a big loss, especially uh, when you look at like uh, older leadership kind of deal. All right, and here's some breaking news from uh, Auburn's 247 Sports, uh, Christian Clemente. Uh-huh. It's uh, regarding Alabama defensive back Antonio Kite. Is that his name? Uh, I think so, yeah. K-I-T-E? Yeah. Well, he's in the transfer portal. He's a former four-star recruit, and he says right now uh, it could happen real quickly with Auburn uh, taking his commitment. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. So it looks like... Um, the Blue Bloods in football, Alabama can't hold all their people either, right? Yeah, I mean, especially when a when a coach leaves, it's chaos. Yeah, when when a when a coach leaves, or when a guy when you you've recruited a lot to that school, and a lot of people go there to play for that specific coach, uh, you may not you know you, you may not necessarily want to play for for anybody else. Uh, what about Georgia? Are they losing people left and right? No, no they, they're actually getting. It yeah. seems like they're getting most of the Alabama's players. They're loaded. They are loading up. Them and Texas are really yeah. going after the Bama players. And what, Florida, Florida, Florida State, State. Yeah, on? Florida State, Florida too. State has been getting a lot. Is there a bargain sales going on? <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't um, it? Gee, me. But, okay. but, but here's, here's the other thing with, with that, and I don't know that it's true or not, but um, 
I'm wondering how much uh, if some of these players that are looking to transfer. I wonder how much stock they put in, or how much uh, they speak with maybe Nick Saban and say that you know these are my thoughts and whatever. And and I'm wondering if Nick Saban is saying you know hey you know Kirby Smart, Norvell, or Sarkeesian. It's like those are those are the guys that you need to go. If you're if you're not wanting to play here, those are the guys that you need to go to because uh, that seems like where they're all going. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Mr. Dick, uh, uh, what kind of a shadow do you think he's going to cast over uh, this coaching staff coming in? Um, I, I think the – here's what I'll say. I, I think that if, the, if DeBoer has some success early, not a lot – if the uh, if he does not prove to be the type of coach that they think they're getting with him, and he's not uh, as successful, I think that shadow start. You, he he may not be the one casting it. It may be other people looking for that shadow and saying, "Oh, it's you know you're not as good as Nick Saban." And I think that's what happens with any any uh, legendary head coach when they leave. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, you know I'm just kind of surprised how comfortable a new coach would be. Um, you know, Pat Dye was there, you know. Uh, how much meddling will he do or not? And why don't they just say, we need a clean break? You know, sort of like, you know, uh, when, uh, say, a couple decides uh, to no longer continue dating with each other, whatever, you know, and one of them says, let's continue being friends. That usually doesn't work out in the long run. Well, I, I think that, you know, you, you, when you have uh, quite possibly uh, the greatest uh, college football coach of all time, you uh, you want to keep them around. You want to, you know, especially uh, when you're, you know. Do you really? Yeah. Do when you, you really want to be? I mean, I thought it's going to be your program, not, you know, well, I mean, uh, you, I'm just going to be. You still want to, you know, if, if you're Kalen DeBoer, you still want to be able to talk to Nick Saban, don't you? Like, you, you want to be able yeah, to. You can talk to him, text to him, you can text him. You know, you know, he's. I can go right down to the stadium any day, any day of the week. He's going to be there. I can talk to him a little bit. You know, get, get well, it. Well, if he's there, what prevents other coaches from going to his office and say, "Hey, coach, uh, you know, uh, the board says this and this. What do you think?" You know what I mean? Like they're going to be asking for second opinions. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think everybody, because because you know, you look at the staff that's being brought in right now. The offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, both worked with DeBoer. They didn't work with Saban. And so you're you're more tr- you know you're going to that you may want to talk to Nick Saban and get their his opinion on stuff. But I don't think it's going to be like second guessing anything that the DeBoer's doing. Okay, so you guys think it'll it'll be a uh, a marriage made in heaven then? I think there will be meddling. I think there will be hands in the cookie jar, and I don't think Nick Saban's going to be the problem. I think Nick okay, Saban. Who do you I think, think is? I, the boosters at Alabama. I, Nick, okay. Sa- Nick Saban got those dudes in line, and Nick Saban's not going to have them in line anymore. They're going to be looking over Kalen DeBoer's shoulder, and he's going to have to keep them happy, like any like any head football coach at, at a major program, in especially in the SEC, but. You know, it, it, Kalen DeBoer's never had to wrestle with something like that before, and he's going to have to now. So I, I think he may struggle with that a little bit. I don't think that Nick Saban is the the shadow that's going to be cast over him, at least at least behind the scenes. Now, the fans are going to compare him to Nick Saban because, of course, they are. And he's going to be compared by Nick Saban, by, by us and by other media outlets, and like I said, by every fan of the sport. But the behind-the-scenes stuff, I don't know how much Nick Saban's going to be involved in that. Okay, well, I hope you're wrong, because in Auburn fans, I hope it causes a lot of meddling sure. and a lot of chaos. Sure. Uh, so, moving on. Tomorrow night's game, guys, real quickly. Um, I haven't seen any lines come out yet, and I heard Jeff Burks' comment mm. that they 
tend to give us trouble. But surely we can have a double-digit win against this team tomorrow night? You would think that it should be possible, but again, you go on the road in college basketball. You saw, you know, you, you look last week. I know, I know, all I those know, upsets. Tom, it happened, it yeah, happened. all those upsets last week, those teams should have been favored by double digits in some of those games too, and they ended up losing. Steve, you ask us every time Auburn plays a game if, if, like, if Auburn is going to win easily. Like, yeah, Auburn could win this game by 20. They could also lose it. I mean, that's sports, right? I mean, yes. Auburn is the better team, I think, in Auburn Arena. I would feel very confident about a double-digit Auburn win. But it just we know the history that Auburn has in, in that arena, and Vanderbilt is not a great team, but they're not a terrible team either, and it's, gonna be, it's not going to be easy. So can Auburn win by double digits? Yeah, absolutely. Will they? Well, Who the knows? Team, well, if the Auburn team shows up that should show up, the one that strike top 20 offense and defense – um, they should win by double digits. Sure. More than likely. Sure. That's the problem that I'm looking at. Absolutely. But we'll find out. All right, guys, thanks for your time, and thank you for your insights and comments. We'll uh, do this again tomorrow. Until then, have a safe afternoon and stay warm. War Eagle. War Eagle. That was retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 is how you get on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to give us a call. We'll head to our next break, and as we go to that next break, I want to retouch on something that Steve uh, brought up earlier. Uh, Auburn, Dewana Bonner will be the fifth number retired by Auburn women's basketball on Sunday, joining Carolyn Jones, uh, Ruthie Bolton, Becky Jackson, and Vicki Orr all have their jerseys retired inside Neville Arena. Dewana Bonner will be the fifth Auburn women's basketball player to have her number retired. Coming up, more sports call right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Smith Station Basketball is back on the hardwood, and we have you covered all season long on FM Talk 93.9. This is Brant Daughtry, voice of the Smith Station Panthers, inviting you to join us for select games of Panther basketball all season long. The Panthers are looking to get back in the postseason hunt, and you can come along for the ride. Check out our website, thetiger.fm, for a list of upcoming broadcasts. It's the Panthers on the hardwood, only on FM Talk 93.9. Brought to you locally by Auburn Bank, Coca-Cola, Chevron with Tecron, Kenny Knox Tire Center, May Refrigeration, Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Southeastern Lane Group. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call on a Tuesday rolls on. I am Brooks Childress. Brant Daughtry. Hello. Tom Peavy. Hello. Join me today. It's like... raw outside. Yeah. It's pretty cold. <clears throat> pretty cold. Uh, it is warm inside the studio, though. It is. We have the heat is, cranked up in yeah, here. It's which great. is like the So this room, I mean, it's a studio, right? So it's yeah. a room unto itself, and it's kind of small. It's got its own heating and cooling vent. Yeah. And when, like, whatever the temperature is, if it's cooling, it gets really cold in here. If it's warming, it gets really hot in here. Yes, and that is uh, that's your peak behind the curtain. It's for the not. Week. A, it's 
It's uh, it's interesting. I'll tell you what. It, it feels, <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it feels great sitting in here because where I usually work back at our production computer is next to a door that's not fully sealed. That is true. And it gets a little chilly back it there. It does get a little chilly. I noticed um, that uh, earlier when I was so back there. E- no matter how many layers you got on, it still gets a little chilly back there. So I'm very happy to be sitting in the warmth here. Uh, make sure you are warm tonight. Safely warm tonight, though, uh, as the temperatures continue to... Start a drop. fire in your living room. Well, in a safe manner. Like a candle. Out of the fireplace. Yes, in the fireplace. Make sure you put it out, though, before you go to bed. Or don't. Well, no, no, do, do. <laughs> Please do, don't. Yeah, yeah, do, do, do. Don't listen to rant. Um, 334-887-34, locally, toll-free, one tiger 9 is how you get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Uh, as we move on with sports call today, uh, we roll to, uh, we'll talk some more coaching stuff here. Uh, we'll get to the Falcons coaching search here in just a minute, but we want to touch. I have thoughts. We want to touch on the uh, Auburn football uh, coaching circle. We I know we, we talk about it every single day, but until there are coaches hired, uh, we're, we're going to talk about it. Uh, a little short time ago, it was officially announced by the University of Florida football team that Ron Roberts was hired as the executive head coach, co-defensive coordinator, and linebackers coach for Florida. Uh, that one, uh, again, the uh, Florida football putting that out and then reported here locally by Adam Cole of the OA News uh, put that out there. And so Ron Roberts. Uh, we hardly we, knew ye. We, we, we did hardly know, knew ye, <laughs> but you were a, a good defensive coordinator. We saw it yesterday. We went through the, the staff yesterday. He was still listed on the athletics website now I'm I'm fairly certain he should be probably off of there now as he's been officially announced by the Florida Gators uh, joining Billy Napier's staff, and I'll tell you what, it's uh I know we we kind of moved quickly into who's going to replace him and everything. It's an interesting move for me, and I don't know what you guys think. It's an interesting move for Ron Roberts to leave Auburn and go to a place where he quite possibly. And I know, listen, there was an interview that came out today or yesterday from Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida, and was asked, oh, is, you know, basically asked, is Billy Napier on the hot seat? And he was like, nobody's on the hot seat. And you're like, yeah, but. Uh, but. He, he, gave, he gave the very athletic yeah. director answer. So with the coach that is, in all points, look at, is probably on the hot seat going into this year. And you, you had a fairly successful year here if you're Ron Roberts with the defense, right? And And now you're going to a program where quite possibly in, you know, 10, 11 months from now, you're going to be looking for a new job. I mean, I, it just, that kind of just baffles me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. He's going, he is going from the defensive coordinator, capital D, capital C, defensive coordinator. He is the one. The only. The only. To a job where he is a position coach and a co-defensive coordinator and special assistant to the regional manager <laughs> of the University of Florida, that does feel very weird. Um, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday. There's rumors about certain coaches not getting along with each other. It could be why Wesley McGriff took that off-field role in the middle of the season, why he announced that he was going to Texas A&M, and then immediately is like now back as Auburn's co-defensive coordinator. Uh, so it... Certainly, if you follow that timeline, the the potential of friction between Roberts and McGriff, that does make sense given the choices that the two of them made. Um, it, it is interesting, and definitely for Ron Roberts, I think it's a gamble. Because, like I mean, like you said, he's, he's a good coach, 
but he's going to a place where we all think that Billy Napier is going to be fired before the end of this upcoming season. So, yeah, it, it certainly is weird, and it reeks of this is not a football decision, you know, that kind of thing. Tom, what, what are your thoughts on, on that? Moving, going from a, a position, like, like I said, with Ron Roberts, where you were the guy at mm-hmm. Auburn, the defensive coordinator, had a fairly successful year. I know a lot of people want defensive, to point to... Defensive coordinator under an offensive coach, yeah. so basically right. head coach of the defense. And you want, you know, I know people will point to certain plays throughout the year that went wrong for the defense, but overall was a good defensive coordinator. Leaving Auburn yeah. and going to a spot where, like I said, quite literally in 10 to 11 months, you could be looking for another job almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I... I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's good. I don't know what's in his head. You know what he's thinking about with that. But I, I, I would have to think that he felt like he had more of an opportunity there at Florida than here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it was odd that he left. Uh, that that one just was kind of caught off guard. Mm. I, I don't know what is, the deal is with all the moving parts and all the behind the scenes, behind closed doors bringing in different people and getting rid of different people. I don't know how much that affected things. I don't know if maybe he and Hugh Freeze just didn't see eye to eye this season. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in those closed doors. I'm not the fly on the wall. So I don't know. Um, So it seemed, it did seem odd that he would just choose to do that. Yeah. It's that makes you think that there's got to be something else, some other reasons going on there and not just like, you know, I'm going to go to Florida and and make this move because I think it's the best for my career. It's like, no, it actually might derail your career. So, don't know. There, there's got to be a reason for it. Good luck to him. Auburn moves on. Uh, I'm, I'm more curious, honestly, uh, about where Auburn goes uh, next instead of whatever Ron Roberts does at sure. Florida. Have fun with it. I, You know, is it going to be Zach Arnett? Is it going to be Chris Kiffin? That, that's what I want to know. Uh, and and also, how are they going to work out with, uh, with the guys that uh, Hugh Freeze is already bringing in here? Let me ask you this question: Then, do you think the fact that whoever comes in is going to automatically be a co-defensive coordinator? Do you think that affects who Auburn can get? I think if you are saying, "Hey, you're not going to have as much control as you would like," then yes, definitely. Uh, I, I wonder if. They can convince Charles Kelly to step down and be a defensive backs coach, or, or you know what? I wonder what his thoughts on that will be because you've already slapped Co DC on him. Yeah. So you're going to either have to ask him to step down from that spot, or you're going to have to go after a guy who's okay with also being a Co DC, which means you're not going to get the top of the line guy. You're not going to get the big name. You're not going to be able to make the splashiest hire. So I definitely think that that is that that could be a limitation. My my only question is this: is if whoever the, if it let's just say Zach Arnett or Chris Kiffin, mm. I I tend to think that Chris Kiffin is who they're looking at, which is why a decision hasn't been made since the Texans are still in the playoffs. Mm. I I really tend to lean that that's who Hugh Freeze wants. Sure. Um, so, so first of all, Charles Kelly coming here. Charles Kelly came in and was not going to be the defensive coordinator anyway. They brought him in at whatever kind of that position was, that liaison thing, whatever weird. It was not bringing him in here, at, you know, to do that. Uh, and so I'm wondering if the Charles Kelly thing is like, we're going to have you on – we'll have you here on staff to do the certain things that we want you to do, and we'll give you the co-coordinator title – 
Mm. You know, that way we can pay you more money. We can put you in that position. But if a guy like Chris Kiffin comes in and you tell Chris Kiffin this, you're like, yes, listen, your title is co-offensive or co-defensive coordinator because we're going to, you know, do the co with you and Charles Kelly. However, you're the coordinator. Mm -hmm. You're running the show. This is your defense. Just by title, we're going to put co on there. Uh, because I think that's what a lot of these folks do. Um, you you look at Georgia, for example. They had co-defensive coordinators. I don't think there's a single person out there that will tell you that Will Muschamp ran that 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 defense. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he ran that defense at all. I think they were using him as as a recruiting guy, a motivational type guy. But their other dude, their other co-defensive coordinator, he's the one that got all the credit for running that defense. And so – I'm. That's what I'm wondering if that's kind of the route that Hugh Freeze is going. That Charles Kelly and whoever brings in will yes be the quote quote unquote co defensive coordinators, but whoever that is that he brings in is going to be the default guy that is actually running the show there. Looking else, that's what I hope for. Because you could run into you could run into a lot of problems if you got too many chiefs and not enough Indians, and you know if you've got two guys button heads over who's calling plays and who's setting up things and that's a disaster so you're going to have to have one guy that is the actual true defensive coordinator running the whole show steve brought this up in his phone call a little bit earlier Let, let's touch on this as you know we talked about kalen DeBoer officially hired at alabama uh over the weekend or la- late last week officially announced uh last week how about that uh first off how about that intimidating uh picture that came from it with he's he's at the podium and then front and center is Nick Saban oh, yeah. and, and Miss Terry? Yeah. Like you are, you are looking directly down at the eyes of the man that you are are succeeding. <laughs> nobody in that image looked happy to be there, <laughs> and like nobody looked optimistic. Like they they all looked miserable, not just to be in that room in those chairs, but just breathing oxygen. They looked unhappy to be alive at all. It was so such a, a weird picture. For uh, sure. And so DeBoer has gone to work now uh, assembling his staff as as we, we've talked about more and more Alabama players jump into the portal um, the from around uh, the roster and he's trying to com- you know trying to keep some guys there but you look at what the the hires that they made so let, let's talk a little bit about this as we uh, wrap up the hour here for the next couple minutes uh, Ryan Grubb brings Ryan Grubb with him from Washington his offensive coordinator there brings him to Alabama a guy that Nick Saban was trying to hire last year uh, did not come to Alabama that's when he got uh, Tommy Reese as the OC there so Ryan Grubb making his way to Tuscaloosa last night the news broke that uh, he went down and got a head coach uh, away from a another program here in the state Kane Womack the uh, head coach at South Alabama his name was circulated with some big name jobs last year not at so many this year uh, they did take the South Alabama program took a step back this year but they did get their first ever bowl win over the uh, the bowl season uh, over Eastern Michigan and so he will leave and go join DeBoer at Alabama. He will be the DC there. He was the DC at Indiana uh, a few years ago. Was also the DC there while DeBoer was the OC at Indiana uh, not too long ago. And then just now, uh, about thirty minutes ago, Bruce Feldman, uh, the re, uh, reporter from the Athletic and Fox Sports, uh, reporting that Alabama is expected to hire another head coach. Uh, Buffalo's head coach Marquise Linquist uh, would be the defensive coach, or would re- hire as a defensive coach. And so Kalen DeBoer uh, and Brett McMurphy just uh, tweeting it right now as well that uh, Buffalo coach Maurice Lindquist uh, is leaving to become an assistant at Alabama. So Kalen DeBoer is putting together a staff. 
he's a head coach. He got two other head coaches now to be on his staff, uh, along with Ryan Grubb, who he brings with him from uh, from from Washington. Guys, what are what are our thoughts on how the, that Alabama staff is coming together right now? I really like the Kane Womack hire for Alabama. I think he's a really good coach, and I think that it's important that you get some kind of regional flair to this staff. I, and in addition to just being a good coach, you know, it, we've talked about all, how. Kalen DeBoer has won everywhere he's been, but he's never been down here before, so he's going to have to figure it out. never been himself, Paul. Yeah, never been down here, Paul. Uh, he's going to have to figure it out uh, from the perspective of recruiting. And he, while South Alabama does not recruit at the level that Alabama or Auburn does, you do have to go to the same schools and you have to get to know the same coaches and the same guys and you are in the same locker rooms. So uh Kane Womack is a guy who knows the state he's going to know this area he's going to be able to kind of teach that staff to say hey this is the kind of guy we're looking for this is what it takes to get these kind of guys uh, all those kinds of things so I think that's a very smart hire for sure uh, you know, you uh, a thing that you brought up is you know getting guys around here. I, that was one of the big things, as you mentioned, with with DeBoer's never coached in the South. Uh, we, Ryan Grubb was uh, brought on. He he's closest he's been to the South. Uh, I guess would be Fresno State. Uh, he was at Fresno, Eastern Michigan. Um, the so he he was not down here. Now the latest two hires, Kane Womack, of course, you mentioned coming from South Alabama as the head uh, head coach down there. He also spent time at uh, another stint at South Alabama as the D.C. He was a G.A. at Ole Miss, a G.A. at Jacksonville State, played football at Arkansas and Southern Miss, and then Maurice Lindquist uh, was at, uh, played football at Baylor but has also had stints with the Dallas Cowboys, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. And so he's a guy that kind of knows the southeast in this area, right. so he's bringing on some guys with a little more more area knowledge. So here's my thing. is, I mean, on paper, I mean, yeah, they look like good hires. Uh, I don't know that there's any. I don't know that there's been one on there that I would just consider just a splash, like sure. a, like a holy crap. They just got whoever. Um, but the same thing with Kalen DeBoer is you hold out judgment until you see what happens on the field, until you see how they start recruiting. Are are they able to hang on or or get another commitment um, and sign Ryan Williams? Mm. That could be the first in their big thing of to start is if we can get Ryan Williams back here and then you're off and running, if you miss on him, if you're not able to replace a lot of these guys that they're that they are losing, then you have to wonder and then of course you there it will be interesting to see how Alabama does next year in the wins and losses category because not only are you just having a new coach, but you have lost so many players now. Mm that it's it's it could be a struggle for them especially with their schedule so uh the the thing is you just have to kind of uh, uh the, the same thing with you freeze coming to auburn i mean, you kind of got to give it a year and a year under uh, DeBoer and a year under that staff and kind of see how they get things going um it could be a match made in heaven it could be a match made in brian harson i don't know they don't know we shall see 
And I mentioned uh, earlier in the show the ripple effect uh, for Nick Saban getting uh, retiring, how it's rippled, and there were two head coaches opening. Uh, if you you know you think about this, Buffalo's head coach is now at Alabama, so that means there's a third opening in college football now. So it just the ripple keeps expanding sure. and getting bigger the around domi- college football. Yeah, the dominoes keep falling. They keep falling. More coaches uh, set to be hired by Kalen DeBoer. We'll talk about those as they get hired. Auburn's still looking for coaches. Uh, we will as soon as news breaks. We will talk about that uh, as uh, different uh, you know rumors keep swirling about who they could get. Maybe it won't be until next week that we know anything from some of these coaching searches. But that is going to wrap up our number two here on Sports Call. Thank you so much for listening. we got one more hour to go coming up after the break. We've got our five at five. And then later on to finish up the program, we'll have our nightly TV guide. And, of course, more of the great sports talk. Give us a call at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to get on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We'll be back with the third and final hour of this Tuesday right after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call on this Tuesday starts right now. I'm Brooks Childress. Brand Daughtry. I'm Tom Peavy. That's Tom Peavy. We are. What? We're back for the third and final hour on this Tuesday. Can confirm Ryan Lavoie will be back in studio tomorrow. He is no longer making his way back from Tampa. He is back in the Auburn Opelika area, specifically in the Auburn area, specifically South College Street, specifically our studios moments ago. Uh, and so he will be back on the show with us tomorrow. Uh, Tom, you'll no, Tom, you're not going to be here tomorrow. Will not be here. Uh, I believe it's going to be Cam and TP tomorrow with with uh, Ryan on the show. Uh, so tune in for a brand new edition of Sports Call tomorrow. But don't go anywhere right now. We still got another hour for you, right here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. If you want to give us a call during this third hour, three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Uh, as we start this third hour, we start it like we do every single day with our Sports Call 5 at 5, brought to our friends who are at Southeastern Land Group. Make sure you check them out at selandgroup.com. Brian Watts, John Harden can help you, whatever your land needs are. If you're looking to buy new land, if you're looking to sell your land, whatever you may need, those guys can help you. Visit them at selandgroup.com. 
gmail.com. Uh, we'll start out and we'll do the sports call five at five by recapping uh, five NFL games that happened this week. And I know there were six, so we'll throw the bonus one in there. But the five NFL games and the super weird wild card weekend, it start with number one. Number one Saturday, the only game on, or the uh, first game on Saturday, the Houston Texans hosted the Cleveland Browns, and it was 45 to 14. The Texans blew out the Browns. The magic of Joe Flacco ran out Saturday afternoon inside uh, the NRG Stadium down in Houston. Then it was... Number two. Number two was a frigid game down or up in Kansas City, 26-7. to seven. The Dolphins uh, froze uh, while they were there in their little tanks. 26-7, uh, to seven, the Chiefs would get the win in a frigid game at Kansas City. Then... Number three. Number three, uh, the Sunday early game. I say early, it was mid-afternoon. The Packers took care of the Cowboys, 48-32. to 32. That score was closer than it actually was. The, the Cowboys scored some uh, points late, but it was all Packers for that game then. Number four. Number four, the most competitive game of the weekend was Sunday night as the Lions escaped with a win over the Rams, 24-23. Matthew Stafford returned home uh, to Detroit to a, a plethora of boos, uh, but Jared Goff and the uh, the Lions Got the win then. Number five. Number five was the Bills taking down the Steelers 31-17 to yesterday. The Steelers made it a one-score game at one point, but Buffalo was able to pull away. And now your bonus. Number six. Your bonus at the five at five is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took, taking care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles last night, 32-9 to over the, uh, as I said, the Eagles. Uh, big game there for the Buccaneers. Uh, to get to host that game if they won the division and then uh, uh, get a struggling Eagles team, and they took advantage of it. The, the Eagles did not look like they did in the first part of the year, uh, and they got the win. So that's your 5-5 five five brought to our friends over at Southeastern Land Group. Visit them online at sclandgroup.com. All right, guys, let's roll through these now and, and kind of give our thought and give you, uh, get you guys' thoughts on them. Uh, the Texans and the Browns, 45-14 to 14, uh, when there. C.J. Stroud still looks like one of the best quarterbacks uh, that come out of this, come out of the draft classes in the recent yeah. history uh yeah i mean cj stroud's playing great football right now and uh i mean the texans are playing great football i i don't know how much longer they're gonna last in this but i mean they're they're playing good football and uh it was an interesting game and we talked about it with joe bartle and i i specifically asked him about that game when you looked at all the others and you just kind of looked at that one and i don't know for most kind of pedestrian nfl fans you would kind of look at it and go eh, ho-hum and but he was like that's very going to be a very interesting game. It's, there's no ho-hum about it. It should be a very interesting game, and it was. But, uh, yeah, Texans, they, they, they got something going. They're set up for success for a really long time. I, I'm really impressed with the way the Texans have not just played but, like, set up to for their future in this year. Uh, they drafted C.J. Stroud. He's, been, he's going to be Rookie of the Year. They drafted uh, Will Anderson, third overall. He's been excellent. He might be defensive rookie of the year. And you got D'Amico Ryans, who in his first year might be head coach of the year. So it just all around a really impressive job uh, by, by the Texans organization. And I, like I said, I think they're set up for very long-term success with, with the three guys that are just now getting into the NFL. Uh, the the other game, the next game was the Chiefs and the Dolphins. I know Tom, you mentioned earlier about uh, the the way the Chiefs have not played like the Chiefs this year, but with a, a an explosive offense, with like Miami has had all year, held them to seven points and outscored them twenty six to seven. Kansas City's won more with defense than offense this year, uh, yeah. and that's not really what we've been used to seeing with them since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback. But right now, they're scoring enough to win, and the defense 
is just suffocating fools. And that's that's been really impressive to watch as well because Kansas City's defense, they were lights out against Miami. That's a really good offense that Miami has. And I know that everyone's going to come for Tua and say that he he played a bad game, and he did. But there's a reason that he did, and a large part of it is that the Chiefs' defense was on him all game. Uh, yeah, I mean, same thing. Yeah, Chiefs, their their defense is what's keeping them going because the offense is supposed to be electrifying, and they have been a lot less than electrifying. Uh, since Travis Kelsey started dating Taylor Swift, <laughs> I uh, yes joke. yes I kid, but yes. it doesn't line up. That it's because they don't have a wide receiver, and they, well, they, they lost their they lost mm. their entire wide receiving yeah. core after last season. And I know, I know, coincides with the start of the season. But you're right, yeah. They they their offense has been so bad because they just don't have a receiver. But the defense, yeah. my goodness, yeah, the defense is good. Look at Brant coming to the defense of Taylor Swift. I don't I think I'd see the day. It's, I'm not defending Taylor Swift. I'm defending Travis Kelsey. <laughs> no, that's what I, I heard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> It, it, it is funny that that offense was still doing really good things until that whole spectacle started happening. And then, like, the reason I know this is because Travis Kelsey was on my fantasy team. <laughs> and and I'm, so I'm, t- yeah. I, I'm telling you, his, his at least on his fantasy numbers, and I can damn sure tell you his touchdown production plummeted. As soon as that whole Taylor Swift spectacle started happening, like I, I got to the point almost where I, I was ready to bench him. Wow. He just was not producing to the level that he had been. Sam Laporta gang, Sam Laporta. Gang I mean, it's up. crazy how those things work out. I mean, does that have anything to do with it? No, I seriously doubt it. I mean, it's just interesting that it their kind of offensive downfalls coincided right when that whole spectacle really started taking off. Brent, defend it now. Go. I, you know. <laughs> It, it Yes, it was when the spectacle began. It began in, like, week two. People hadn't figured out that the Chiefs didn't have wide receivers yet. I don't know. I And, and Travis Kelsey, I mean, it, it, he's old, man. He's, like, 36. And it, he's, been, he's, slow, he's slowed, he's slowed <laughs> down a lot. He's old for a football player. Right. <laughs> he's, he's slowed down a lot this season for sure. And, yeah, he also happens to be dating Taylor Swift at the exact same time. No. Maybe it is all Taylor Swift's fault. Maybe you know. No, you're defending her. I'm not de- I, again. Not defending her. Uh, Packers on Sunday afternoon defeated the Cowboys forty-eight to thirty-two. Again, that Did score not. is, is much closer than what the what the game was. And uh, man, I, again, I said it yesterday on the show. Friday, uh, uh, Ryan asked which games, uh, which game I was most nervous about. It was the Cowboys because playoff Cowboys is just mm. playoff Cowboys is playoff Cowboys. Yep. I. Jordan Love looks so comfortable to, to, for that to be his first ever start in the postseason. And you can say the same thing about C.J. Stroud. Both of those guys, their first ever playoff starts, and they just looked so at ease. And it was just – it was coming easily for them. And, man, the, the Cowboys are about to implode. It's Jer- got- Jerry Jones is about to be executing, guys. It, I am not a – Blood uh, for the blood god. <laughs> I'm not a Packers fan. Um I would say, like, I, I've got family that are big Packers fans, uh, I, and I have not reached your out to Your family doesn't have a team. Like, don't all of your – doesn't all of your family root for different different NFL teams? I mean, I root for the Patriots. My yeah. brother's a Falcons fan. Yeah. And then I've got a, a sect of the family that is Packer fans. Okay, they're okay. They're they're, they're all Packers yeah, fans. Yeah, there's, okay. there's, there's quite a they're, – they're all Packers fans. They're all cheeseheads. I've, I've had to – I've <laughs> worn the cheesehead before. Um, oh, that's cute. The uh, But I would have to think – 
that for Packers fans, it's a double whammy, or maybe even a triple whammy, because one, you get to beat the Cowboys. That's always fun. Two, you get to beat your old head coach, Mike McCarthy. And three, you get Jordan Love to kind of you know, step up and be like, hey, Aaron Rodgers who? I know he's not the same. And I, listen, I'm not trying to say, he, oh, he's the, he's the next Aaron Rodgers. But that game, the way that the, the Packers performed, helped them be like, you know what? That's fine. Aaron Rodgers, you left us. That's cool. We got Jordan Love, at least for a, a, a game. They have never not had a good quarterback. No. The Packers always have a quarterback who's like, I mean, still early in the career of Jordan Love, but it just seems like every quarterback they've ever had is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. It, it, and and now they have Jordan Love, who's like, hey, let me step onto the biggest stage that this game has and put on a freaking show. That's right. It's insane. Uh, Sunday night, the Lions escaping the Ford Field with a 24-23 win over the Rams. The, the only two, good game of the weekend. The two quarterbacks facing off used to play for the other team. And that's not something that you see that often, where they they kind of they switch quarterbacks and they end up facing each other in the playoffs. The job that Dan Campbell has done to to go from being a tight end on a Lions team that went zero and sixteen, one of two winless teams in the history of the NFL, to coaching that team to its first division win, I think ever, its first playoff win in thirty something years. It just Incredible, and and to to take Jared Goff, a guy who admitted as much that he was broken, like he was not, he did not have the confidence that it took to play quarterback. He didn't have the confidence to do much of anything because of the, what happened with his exit with the Los Angeles Rams. But the way that Dan Campbell has rebuilt him, and you know, I I think it's a very very cool story, and I think that's I think that's cool that you can say, hey, the Matt the Matt Stafford trade was a win-win because the Rams immediately won a Super Bowl and they you know that they went all in and it hit you know and they they got what they wanted to get but now the Lions behind an entirely different guy uh are are seemingly are well not seemingly they are the better team uh it, it is it's a really cool story what that trade and the people involved and the Lions are such a feel-good story. I think that was a that was a very good game, uh, it, and like I said, the only really good game of the weekend. And I was I was happy that it was. Uh, the the one thing I can say about the Lions is that they are making me look very smart uh, with preseason predictions. When when we were talking about uh, surprise teams out there for this year, and I was one of the mm-hmm. ones that stepped up. I was like, hey, listen, you know, everything that I've been reading about the Lions, like they might be pretty good this Heck year. Yeah. Heck yeah. Good Ta-da. call. Good call. Uh, Sunday afternoon, you had, or no, Monday, you had two games. The Buffalo Bills taking care of business over the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, 31-17. to 17. The Steelers without uh, Nick Bosa uh, on the, or not, yeah, no, uh, T.J. Uh, Watt. It was not without yes. T.J. Watt on the sideline, or he was on the sideline, not on the field. And uh, the, the Steelers did make it a one-score game at one point, but Buffalo able to pull away and get the win in a, a very snowy environment. Yeah. Uh, that was just one of those uh, – like I said, Buffalo's been playing at a high level uh, here lately, and the Steelers, they walked into a buzzsaw of a team and then also walked into a buzzsaw of an environment. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh plays in very cold weather uh, up in Pittsburgh. They're, you know, they have cold weather of their own mm-hmm. up there, but – so I don't think the weather necessarily had anything to do with that. Maybe the delay had something to do with it. I don't know, but honestly, I think that's. I think Buffalo's just playing at a. They're playing at a level right now like a team that could potentially go to the Super Bowl, 
And don't say that. Huh? Don't, don't say that. Well, I'm just Patri- Patriots fan is mad that another team in the yeah. AFC East uh, can be good. I don't. I'm just saying they they're they're playing good football right now. Sorry. And um, you don't like the other NFC South teams? No, I don't. No. So and the other NFC South teams are really not good, except for the Bucks. But I don't hate the Bucks. No. So or the Panthers for that matter. I hate one team, and they're also pretty bad. That, that was one of those. That was one of those games. Like as soon as Buffalo scored that first touchdown, it, it just felt like it's like this one's about to get out of hand. Then they scored the second touchdown. It's like Pittsburgh's ready to pack their crap and go home. It's like yeah. we're cold. We're getting our crap kicked in. Pack it up. Let's go. And that's kind of what it felt like the rest of the game was. They, they kind of fought back some there, but it was like once Buffalo kind of got that lead, it was like nah, done. The the Steelers' offense has been so terrible all year, and they started Mason Rudolph in this game. They they have like they have two pretty good players on offense in Najee Harris and George Pickens, but other than that, like they just don't have anything. Their their offense is anemic in every way. They don't have a quarterback. Their defense is pretty good, but their defense was missing its best player uh, in T.J. Watt. And like Tom said, the Bills are playing really, really well right now. They could go on a run here. Uh, Josh Allen looks like good Josh Allen, not bad Josh Allen right now. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day. I'm going to quote it right now. This is from Robert Mays on Twitter. Josh Allen is like a human monster truck with the soul of a Labradoodle that's fueled by four loco. <laughs> he is a singular, unhinged experience. And I think I don't think there's ever been a more apt description of Josh Allen because – like 99% of the time, he's going to give you just absolute insanity and it's going to work. But that 1% is going to be the most dramatic misstep that you've ever seen. The Bills are always a fun team to watch. Not because they're just really good, even though they are playing really well right now. Everything they do is interesting, even if it's not by design. And finally, last night, we've talked about this game on and off today. The Buccaneers defeated these Philadelphia Eagles uh, and sending uh, Travis's brother Jason Kelsey potentially into retirement. I think with, he's with, done. He's, he's he announced to the team oh yeah, after the game. He's he's done with a thirty-two to nine loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in uh, Middle Florida, I guess. So that another one, and, and we, I, I wanted it, to say South Florida because that University right. of South Florida is there. I'm like, that's not really South Florida. No, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have just, they've been on such a bad decline. And uh, we were we were asked why. It's like I don't know. I mean, apparently there's a lot of dissension within the locker room with some different things going on. Then you had some injuries. You had some just different things. And uh, it's because Jason it, Kelsey's brother's dating Taylor Swift. It's, it, yeah, that's sure. right. Sure, man. This is all Taylor Swift. Connect fault. it back. Yep, <laughs> connecting the dots. But um, uh, you know, talk about a team that. Uh, about halfway through, didn't look like they were interested in wanting to even be there anymore. Especially on the defensive side of things, I mean, there there were there were literally guys from the Eagles that looked like they had no interest in trying to tackle folks, and it that one got away from them, I, and that was surprising me. Uh, that that was terrible English right there. That one surprised That's what I've done all day. me. Yeah, that one surprised <laughs> me, not surprising me. But that one surprised me. Um, I thought the Eagles would, as bad as they've been playing, I thought they would lose, but I thought they would give. Tampa a, a little bit more of a game than that yeah. but as that game got, got going like I said the 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 offense just didn't look good they looked discombobulated and then the defense said there were there were a couple times 
there were dudes wide open. They'd catch a pass, and it was kind of like they were looking at each other and like, you want to go tackle him? I, you know, I don't want to. It just bad football by the Eagles. It, it was pretty bad football. If you're watching the Manning cast, uh, which is typically how I consume the Monday night games, I, just, I really do love what the Mannings have. Uh, they had Ray Lewis on, uh, it, it, like start of the fourth quarter, and he was losing his mind at the fact <laughs> that the Eagles just were not tackling people. Um, it, it was very it's clear that at defensive. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it was kind of funny. It, there was a point where there was some big long touchdown that the Bucks had, and and Ray was Ray Lewis was losing his mind over the poor tackling, and Peyton goes like, "No, it's it's a good thing. It's a touchdown. Points are good. We like to see scoring." And Ray Lewis just screams at him, "It's okay to have good defense, you know that kind of thing." But uh, yeah, very clearly things just aren't going well for the Eagles. Nick Sirianni has I, I don't know if he's officially lost that locker room. He's lost the fan base, Ooh, yeah. uh, and. It's really, really bad in there right now. You're losing Jason Kelsey, who has been maybe the best center ever. Uh, he's he's been he's certainly up there. He's I know he's tied for most All Pro selections by a center all time. So uh, definitely a, a first ballot Hall of Fame guy, if nothing else. So him going out like that is unfortunate. But there's a lot of offensive philosophy stuff that didn't look good. There's uh, something that Peyton Manning pointed out on the broadcast, the Eagles did a lot of stuff out of empty sets, which is just, you know, you have the quarterback back there by himself and you got five wide receivers or four wide receivers and a tight end, whatever. And every time the Bucks had a plan for it, the Bucks were going to send pressure mm. and the Eagles just didn't have enough people to block it. And it, it very clearly was bad for Jalen Hurts that entire game. And as I've said it before, it's impossible to play quarterback I don't care how good a quarterback is, it's impossible to play that position if you don't have time, if you're under pressure constantly. And the Eagles just kept going into scenarios where it was going to be impossible for Jalen Hurts to get the ball out. And that that really that led to them scoring nine points in a playoff game when they were a, a one of the when they started the season ten and one uh, and lost six out of seven. It just a, a a bad it's a bad state for Philadelphia football right now. Setting up this weekend's games with those wins over the weekend. Texans will visit the Ravens after the bye week. Packers visit the uh, 49ers. Both of those games are on Saturday. Then Sunday, Buccaneers visit the Lions. And the Chiefs wrap things up visiting the Bills Sunday evening. Uh, I want to ask you guys, before we go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, same question I asked Justin Ferguson in our interview in the first hour. If you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to it on our Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola. You have to do this, all right? There's no, hey, I'm, you know, and you have to sit out. You can't be like, I'm going to be in a suite for this. You're, you're in the middle. You are in the grandstands, all right? You're sitting at a football game, either at a game with minus 33 degree wind chill, like it was in Kansas City on Saturday, no snow though, or you are at a Buffalo game where it is, I think it was 17 degrees at kickoff yesterday, but you've got to wade through waist deep snow to get to your seat. What are you choosing? Uh, I'm I'm choosing the cold with the no snow if I have to sit out there in it for a long period of time, uh, because one that snow looks all pretty, but it's still wet. Sure, it's going to soak your feet. It's going to soak your legs. It's going to soak through your clothing and freeze you to the bone. You could cover up if it's cold mm. and it's and it's, you know, there's no snow or whatever, you yeah. can bundle up and be good, but once you get wet, even if you've got a lot of layers of clothing on, you're done. And 
I am. Not to mention you can't, uh, in that 33 degree, as uh, Brant brought up earlier, you can't drink anything because yeah, everything it just, freezes. It immediately yeah. freezes before you even have a chance to get your mouth on it hardly. But, yeah, you know, I, sitting out in cold, cold when it's dry, mm. you know, yeah. Uh, wading through waist-deep snow just to get to your seat and then have to, like, shovel snow to have somewhere to sit down and then you're still surrounded by snow on all sides, nah. I love snow. I love playing in the snow, but I also enjoy playing in the snow and go back inside and defrosting myself. Having to sit out there for a couple of hours in that, do no. nope, yeah. nope, nope. Yeah, Tom and Ferg hit on the most important parts of this, and that is being cold sucks. Being wet and cold is one of the worst experiences that humans are offered. Um, I'm going to take as cold as you want it, but leave me dry. But I will say that, like I said earlier, I do not like freezing cold, uh, and I'm probably hurling myself from the top row uh, around halftime. Just for they, I was going to say in they, either scenario, they they literally they literally have torture techniques of wet and cold, and they have techniques of like training within the Navy SEALs and things like that, which is basically they torture these guys into trying to quit. To where they make you cold and wet because, yes, that is like the absolute most uncomfortable thing for the human body is to be cold and wet. And so, yeah, if, if, it's, a, if it's a technique that the Navy SEALs use on their guys to, to try to weed out the – then I'm definitely not going to voluntarily sit in that same situation for two, two and a half hours to watch a football game. For context, uh, the the temperature on Mars on Saturday was minus thirty. <laughs> Jesus, three degrees warmer on Mars than it was in Kansas City. Thanks. That's <laughs> good. But Lord. what was the wind chill? What was oh, what was the wind chill? That's my question. I and I saw somebody say like up in somewhere up in Canada it was like negative seventy. I, mean, I, I what what planet had negative not, seventy? This not being not being hype not not being hyperbolic or whatever. I would rather just die. <laughs> I'd rather suffer death than have to go oh. through negative ne- negative anything really. But negative seventy. That's just because like I I'll I'll die either way. Just make it quick. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four. One locally told for one one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line here, and we'll start things off this hour in Anthony from Auburn. Anthony from Auburn joins us on the show. Anthony, how are we doing this afternoon? Doing good. You guys doing great? I see what Bama went down to South Alabama and hired their head coach. That tells me he couldn't have been making anything down there. If he's going to leave a head coaching job to accept a defensive coordinated position in Alabama. I mean, I wonder what kind of salary he was on down there. That is a great question. I, I My brother is a graduate of South Alabama, and he was uh, not happy about it because he really liked Womack as his head coach. Uh, but I, I don't know what the uh, what the uh, contract for him was down there. I also see uh, Buffalo's head coach is, is, uh, has left to come to Alabama for a defensive uh, uh, assistant position, but uh, nobody's really named that position yet. But uh, that's also a major uh, – uh, uh, I mean, you think about it. Good God. I mean, a head coach leaving just to be an assistant coach? I think I think, uh, I think the uh, – is it Lundquist? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I think I've seen co-defensive coordinator and, and, and a position coach, but and- – and then I looked it up. Uh, Womack at South Alabama was making making eight hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. Okay, well that, that makes sense. He'd probably make two million in Alabama. Probably. 
But, I mean, you just think about it. I mean, a head coach, but at a school like that, they don't have the resources. And I guess uh, Lundquist uh, probably making about the same thing or less, right? Yeah, probably about the same yeah. thing up there at Buffalo. Man, that's awful. You know what? I mean, you know, you, you think about it, but like you said, they did, some of those smaller programs just don't have the same resources. Yeah, that, that's definitely that. But see, uh, what I want to get at now, people are applauding and cheering that on. That's no different than a player that might have been getting a, a half a million uh, at some school, and then next year, uh, if he goes somewhere else, he can get $1.5 million. Sure. So, I mean, but if the player got to be a villain, and he decides to leave, but the coach is a hero and being cheered on, and something's wrong with that. Uh, and you know what? I, I think it kind of also depends on the fan base, though, because I'm per- per- pretty sure, uh, like I said, I, I talked to my brother last night, the, the South Alabama group's not happy that he's leaving uh, leaving them and going somewhere else for more money. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I, I'm sure uh, a lot of Alabama fans are happy that he's going to be their D.C. I'll say this, though. I mean, as far as that coaching goes, leaving from South Alabama to go Alabama, to coach at Alabama, uh, leaving Buffalo to go coach at Alabama, uh, yeah, there's the money involved in that, but that actually sets you up better for your coaching career down the road than being the head coach at South Alabama. You're going to get a lot if, – if you go to Alabama as a defensive coordinator and you have success, then it's going to open up even bigger doors for you than if you are kind of somewhat successful at South Alabama. You're, you're still not going to make those major steps towards big-time college football uh, – being okay at South Alabama. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Same thing with Buffalo. You know, it's very rare that a head coach at Buffalo suddenly is like one of the hottest commodities out there. But if he goes and coaches defense at Alabama and is successful, then all of a sudden he becomes a hot commodity. Yeah. Well, yeah, it certainly would do that, propel him uh, to big and better things if that happens. But I don't like what I said the other day about that shift. You know, that shift may play a major role in that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, situation or whatnot, and I believe it is. But we'll see as it unfolds in the 2024 uh, season. I think uh, Oklahoma's going to come calling, right? Yeah, Oklahoma's going to uh, play the uh, Auburn, I think, uh, yeah, in Alabama. Yeah, and Georgia, those Georgia Bulldogs hunker down will be on the schedule too, right? Yeah, that's the first SEC game for Kalen DeBoer. And old Rocket Top Tennessee's on the schedule too, right? Uh, at Tennessee too. And those uh, Auburn Tigers in that Iron Bowl are uh, <laughs> going to be looking to win this time around, I would assume. I, I would, so, uh, that's something I would think, he's going to have to face, too. Plus you, got you a, know, plus, you got a game against Wisconsin, too, during, uh, thrown out there. Yeah, you're right about that. I want to ask y'all something. Now, this coach from South Alabama, I don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Other than South Alabama, where has he been as an assistant as far as uh, coaching in the South or whatnot? So he was the D.C. at South Alabama for a couple of years, and then he went on to be the, – the way he's connected with DeBoer is he was the defensive coordinator at Indiana at the same time DeBoer was the offensive coordinator a couple of years ago uh, when uh, the Michael Penix year – at uh, at uh, Indiana, Indiana right. both of them were there, and that you know that Indiana team was a pretty good Indiana team. And then uh, Kane Womack went and took that job at South Alabama. Uh, had him pretty good last year, and his act his name got floated around for a couple uh, bigger jobs. And then they kind of took a step back this year with uh, with the program. His name wasn't circulated as much this year in the the coaching carousel, but they did. He did coach them to their first ever bowl victory as right. a program. But now, he, as far as also with the South. Goes. He uh, he played football at Arkansas, uh, GA at Jacksonville State, yes. GA at Ole Miss. Yep. Uh, did he, he also had, played at Southern Miss too? Yeah, uh, at Southern Miss. Yeah. Um, I thought he had another stint somewhere else that was in the South before he kind of went Indiana and got away from here. But uh, he's got experience in the South. There's no doubting that. Um, 
the the one thing that everybody is going to question with him in that position is, is his ability to recruit and recruit at the highest level because mm-hmm. he's not really been anywhere where he's had to do that and he's not known as like a superstar stud recruiter. And obviously if you're at Alabama, that's one thing that you're going to have to be. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Jerry's still out. Kalen DeBoer, you can say the same thing. His recruiting classes at Washington were like around Vanderbilt levels. Oh, and, Lord. and so, yeah, things are going to have to get better uh, with that at Alabama, but that's where you put the staff together that you might be able to make that happen. Well, we're going to find it out. I mean, that ain't good. If, if that's the case, as far as this South Alabama guy, uh, it's recruiting on the, on the recruiting trails like that, and then the head coaches ain't no better. But the thing that bothers me now, with Charlie Strong being on that staff uh, from last year in that area, mm. uh, has won a national championship uh, as a defensive coordinator at Florida, has been an analyst with Alabama and got another championship ring on his finger, and all those years of experience in the Southeastern Conference, I can't understand why was he overlooked, uh, if not gotten the coordinator's job, at least an on-the-field position, but uh looked like he's been overlooked. Yeah, and I, I don't know why. I don't know because, you, like you said, he was on that staff uh, this year. You saw him on the sidelines uh, uh, with with his role, but um, I, I don't know why his name was not uh, more circulated there. I, I, don't, I wonder if it's more of you know uh, DeBoer's just trying to build his own staff and not have uh, as many Saban uh, assistants there as, as uh, he, more people may may do. Well, I, I tell you one thing. Uh, <laughs> Loading up on all these coaches that they really don't have a proven record on that recruiting trail uh, in this area is going to hurt. And I tell you, if they recruit Vanderbilt level, it won't be long before it shows. It won't be long before uh, U-Haul shows up in that brick in that window, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is, with the amount of players that they're losing out of the transfer portal and the amount of uh, recruits that are decommitting from them, they're they're going to have to get some things turned around pretty quick. You know, I, I, when Cam made that decision to come out of Phoenix City, I should have told everybody something was going on or whatnot because, uh, you know, that was something that probably shouldn't have happened. I mean, you would think if, from a logical standpoint, if Alabama is on top of the world and this guy wants to go somewhere and be on top of the world and ease into something, uh, you thought that had been a better pick, but he showed you that it, it wouldn't. So we'll see uh, as time go on and everything unfold what will really happen. Yeah, I you know that's the thing. I, I don't know what the deal is with uh, Cam Coleman in Alabama. I know that uh, you know obviously he, he committed to Texas A and M before he committed anywhere else, and then came to Auburn. Uh, it seems like he hasn't really had a whole lot of interest in in Alabama, and I don't know if there's maybe a relationship issue there that he doesn't like. I don't know if it's the fact that they've just had so many wide receivers that are currently there that he felt like his opportunities are better somewhere else. I you know I don't know, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it felt like for him, it, it seemed like it was anybody except Alabama. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, I'm thinking, uh, I got to go, but I'll talk to y'all later. All right. Thanks so much for All that right, call bye. today, Anthony. All right. That was Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the uh, Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Before we hit our next break, we'll go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll stay right here in Auburn, and it is Michael from Auburn. Michael is joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Michael, how are we doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. Y'all were talking about weather games, and maybe Tom can, can attest, but that 2000 Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa was, was the most miserable I think I've ever been as a fan. Uh, it's three field goals, nine nothing, and I just remember sitting wet because it rained, and then the, the frozen rain came in. And just to tell you a quick story, and it, it's the buses that we took for the band, there was a puddle. And I think it was the drum bus, but you stepped off and it was, you know, 
a, a mud puddle that the guy stepped off into and we came back after the game that puddle had turned into ice and they slipped huh. and hit his shin into the bus and broke his leg it was it was miserable yeah. miserably cold yeah um, i actually i mentioned that uh i mentioned that trip yesterday and how uh and we were talking about how bad the field in tuscaloosa was especially when it gets wet and it was like really lumpy soggy wet and just on the field you're already cold and wet and then you had to get out there and march around and get your ankles and feet all soaking wet and it was just i I think i I said something like after about the first quarter i was like i'm just ready to get back on the bus and go home yeah i i I think that was the only time that i can remember like look i really don't care who wins this game i just i just want to get back on the bus and get home but that's exactly what the uh, just the comments that I'm hearing, and we don't really know until it plays out. But on this this Bama coaching, because mm-hmm. the, I hear the same arguments used as like you know he, that Saban is the goat, and he was so great at recruiting. But he, I, I guess my argument is, how can you in one and I don't deny anything that he's able to do, but how can you have this sense of security that, that it's just going to be the next guy up, and he's going to continue to do the same things? I won't go as far as to say that 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 he's going to be a Harson type, you know, you know, coming from the you know the out west and, yeah. and not recruiting and things. I won't go that far, but I mean, Billy Napier's won everywhere that he's been. I mean, we heard that argument, and yeah. I mean, look what's happening down there in Florida. Look at you know all these other arguments of oh, he won everywhere he's been. Until you get into it, like you don't really know, and yeah. and so. I, I, I mean, Urban Meyer had success coming and, and being able to recruit and turn things around. Uh, and I will say, you know, all the Bama coaches that had at least had one 10-year, uh, or, I mean, one 10-win season, you know, even you know, even uh, Mike Shula there mm-hmm. for a while. But So we don't really know, but just the level of, you know, that they're just going to continue on and that, He's won everywhere, that, and so that just makes him a proven winner. It, it's different. Yeah, and I, and so, I, I think that also proves the point where there's very few, you know, everybody's looking for the home run hire, the home run hire. There's very few home run, true home run hires out there. Correct. And and well, I'm curious to see, you know, exactly how everything play, plays out. Has Auburn hired their D.C. yet? Or I, I know we, we were looking at, you know, an offensive quarter in D.C. Has both mm-hmm. of those been hired and, and secured? No. Uh, the only uh, move on that front was they officially announced Charles Kelly, who they who it was reported that he was getting hired on right before the kickoff of the Music City Bowl. He is the co-D.C., so they're still looking for another co-D.C., and they still have not made an announcement on the O.C., but it has been announced that Hugh Freeze will be calling the plays next year. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, I think on the defensive side, I, because, because it's been so quiet on that front, I think Chris Kiffin, who's a defensive lines coach at the Texans, uh, I think I just have a feeling that Hugh Freeze is going to try to bring him in here. They 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 work together at Ole Miss. He's very familiar with uh, Chris Kiffin. Uh, so yeah, I, I I have a feeling that's where he's going. But he's waiting for him to get done with his NFL season first. And then Ryan Williams, what is the date? What is he supposed to do on his birthday in February? Is that correct? February yes. the ninth. Yeah, I think I r- think right around there. Yeah, I think February the ninth. Okay. He's got his visits. He's apparently got his visit set for LSU coming up. Uh, I think he made an unofficial visit to Alabama yesterday. Uh, still got an official visit coming up here with LSU, visit to Texas, uh, another visit to Alabama, and then his final visit is supposed to be to Auburn. Yeah. 
All right, we'll yeah. See. Well, have uh, have a good. Yeah, we'll see. I know his quarterback. I think is committed to Texas. So I'm curious to how all that plays out. But with Arch being there, I don't see his quarterback being the quarterback out there. So yeah. we'll see. But all right, appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for the call today, Michael. That was Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's hit our next break of the show. Uh, actually, our first break of our number three. When we come back. It's already time to wrap up the show. That's how long we've gone here in hour number three. Uh, We'll wrap things up with the Nightly TV Guide right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Wrapping up a Tuesday edition of Sports Call, I am Brooks Childress. Brant Daughtry, Tom PB joining me this afternoon. Hello. Want to remind everybody that's still out there listening, the Sports Call survey is still up. Make sure you go and fill that out. It's open till Friday. Uh, you can fill that out on our, you got links on our Twitter, on our Facebook, on our Instagram, on our website. You can go find the link around our social media. Just go look website. for a link. You'll run yeah. into one eventually. Uh, and you will uh, fill out that survey. It takes like five, ten minutes the max. Depends on how much you want to tell us we're bad at our jobs or good at our jobs, whichever you prefer. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, it helps us make the show better, helps us as we roll toward us. Uh, I was about to lean forward and say something in this microphone that I shouldn't say, as, so I'm going <laughs> I'm I'm to elect to not. As we roll toward and into award season, you know the Emmys were last night. The Abbeys, which is our uh, the Alabama Broadcasters Association Awards, it, it, the more you help us make the show better, the more uh, it gives us opportunities to uh, bring you award-winning content each and every day. Uh, before we wrap things up here on the show, here on this Tuesday, I want to remind you that Ryan Lavoie will be back tomorrow with a brand new edition of Sports Call. Uh, it will be Cam Berry and T.P. Hammock on the show tomorrow with him. Tom Peavy off tomorrow. Brant is uh, not a usual Wednesday guest, and I'm not a usual Wednesday guest, so uh, it'll be T.P. Filling in for Tom tomorrow. Going to school. A TP for a TP. How about that? Hey. We we just trade out TPs tomorrow. And then Cam Berry and, as mentioned, Ryan LaVoy on the show tomorrow. Let's wrap things up now as we do each and every day with the Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Make sure you stop by any one of your 17 TK's convenience stores and pick up a variety pack of White Claw Hard Seltzer today. Uh, movie picks for you tonight. Only one, and it's uh, appropriate. Uh, 7 o'clock on AMC. It's the day after tomorrow. Remember the, the movie where New York freezes? Oh, yeah. yeah like, the whole that, world begins to freeze. There's like, a, there's, like, a scene in that movie where, like, there's a helicopter, and the freeze catches up to the helicopter, and the fuel freezes inside the helicopter. Yep, that's, that's what's all on. I remember about the movie. I watched that in AP Environmental Science my junior year. That's what's on tonight, and if you go outside at any point this evening, that's what it's going to be like when it's cold up here. <laughs> uh, so day after tomorrow, 7 o'clock on AMC. Uh, sports picks for you this evening. We have a typo, not a typo, but an incorrect thing on the nightly TV guide, so I wanted to make everybody aware. 
Says 6 o'clock on ESPN Florida at Tennessee. That game is currently going on, was moved up because of weather. Uh, so Tennessee is currently leading Florida 73-55 to with six and a half minutes to play in the second half. So that one's going on right now. 6 o'clock on ESPN, though. Uh, Syracuse visits Pittsburgh. Uh, also college basketball action, 7.30 on FS1. It is uh, St. John's that is visiting Seton Hall. 8 o'clock on ESPN, Kansas visits Oklahoma State. 8 o'clock on ESPN 2, it is Georgia taking on South Carolina. And then the late night college basketball action, Utah State visits New Mexico State at 9, or New Mexico at 9.30 on FS1. NBA action for you tonight on at 6.30 on TNT. It's the Nuggets visiting the 76ers. Follow that up at 9 o'clock with the Thunder visiting the Clippers. And then, of course, you've got some Australian Open. The first major of the year in tennis is happening right now. Australian Open action starts at 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN2. And that, my friends, is a nightly TV guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that is going to wrap us up here on a Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Tom, thank you so much for being here. Enjoy your extended uh, break from the show. We'll see you back here next week. Yeah, heading to, heading to Mobile for the Mardi Gras ball. Oh. So, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. And I, yeah, I will see all of y'all next Monday. Call me a moon pie, mister. Brent, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> thank you for having me. And I am Brooks Childress. Thank you so much for joining us here on the uh, show today. Uh, Ryan will be back tomorrow. God, it's 27 degrees outside. It's freaking cold. Make sure you bundle up tonight. Ryan will be back tomorrow for a brand new Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We will talk to you then.